some of the content of Patriots Unfiltered may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world's original podcast. Live from the Patriots House in Frankfurt, Germany, this is Patriots Unfiltered. Presented, presented by, by Toyota's Toyota. official website for deals, buyatoyota.com. Patriotin ungefähr all right, welcome to Patriots Unfiltered. We are live, not from Gillette Stadium, but Patriots House in Frankfurt, Germany. Let me hear it. All right. This is Patriots Unfiltered's first international show. Yes. The first time we've done this outside of the United States. We've been all over the country doing it because of you know some winning in the past, but it's the first time we've done it anywhere else but the United States. So thank you for all coming. Give yourself a hand. All right. We're going to be here for the next two hours. It's Paul Perillo. It's Mike Dussault. It's Evan Lazar, who just did Yeoman's Duty. Two hours of Catch-22. He loved that. Yeah. It's not work for Evan. No. Right? right? But Never. I, I got I to gotta get ready, though, first oh. before, oh. you know, I got to. Oh, you, you got your kid on. I got, you know. <laughs> oh. Whoa. Whoa. Why is he being good? Once again, Fred Kirsch making friends. Somebody told somebody told me that this was the Patriots of Germany. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> nope. Yannick, care to weigh in? Care to weigh in, Yannick? They're, they're not in the Bundesliga. No, no. Okay, all right, all right. Well, anyway, I figured while in Germany, I would wear something German. Is that okay? All right. <laughs> All right, so we, we have a lot to cover today. Cheap pop. What a showman. We, ha- we have a lot to cover today. Obviously, we know why we're here. The Patriots are going to be playing the Colts this Sunday uh, over at the stadium where Eintracht uh, plays. And, you know, we couldn't be more excited to, to be here and to be representing the New England Patriots. It's just, it's just a great thing. But we're going to get into it. I don't know how many people here have watched. Or listened to our. I just, I just got cut off. Oh. Um, we do this show during the season every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at noontime in you know, East Coast. So it's at 6 p.m. in Germany. Uh, and then in the offseason, we do it every Tuesday and Thursday. And we talk all about the Patriots for two hours. And you can call in. You can email us. So now that you know about it, I would expect everybody here to be watching this show um, and if you don't catch it live every week, you can listen to it on demand on Patriots.com and on YouTube. Um, so we're excited to introduce a lot of you to the show for the first time. So, guys, let's get into it. We, we, we've got a lot to talk about, a lot to cover in the next two hours. Um, first of all, let's talk about the state of the team because we've got some, some guys that, you know, are, didn't play last game for whatever reason and and there's a lot of reports back home in, in the Boston area about things aren't, aren't, aren't that good with the team. Yeah. Once it first, Paul, go. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not a great situation, obviously, with the, the defensive backs you're talking about, Freddie, with yeah. J.C. Jackson and Jack Jones. And it looks like, according to a lot of the reports, that J.C. Jackson will not be making the trip here um, to Germany for the game. And 
Um, it, you know, evidently there were some discipline-related uh, things that we don't know all the details of, but that contributed to those guys not playing as much against Washington. And, uh, you know, it's a quick turnaround. They've they got to get here. We've got to get ready for the Colts on Sunday. And I think Bill Belichick decided it was in the best interest of the team not to have him join in. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not, a, not an ideal situation. It's yeah. tough because, you know, the defense has taken some hits. Well, that's the big part. But Fred is, you know, we, we can talk about the drama of it all, but the ultimate, they're going to have to come here and figure out how to defend against, you know, Gardner Minshew and, and this Colts offense that, you know, has some pieces. I mean, Michael Pittman's a good receiver. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, good good running back that, you know, we saw a couple years ago that did a lot of damage uh, to the Patriots' defense. So I think the Colts have some pieces. You know, is Jack Jones the guy that's going to have to step up? I mean, he had some problems last week as well, didn't start the game. So you might be looking at, at Sean Wade again coming out as, as maybe the starter yeah i mean i think you're just looking for reasons or or players that might be showing signs of their head is not all the way in it and i I think when you watch the tape of those two guys there are moments when you're like are are they doing the right things (laughs) like you're just you know kind of a little confused about what's going on and specifically i think with with jack jones on on the touchdown to jalen waddle at the end of the game against miami he's right in the middle uh, of a big coverage bust that basically gave them a, a chance to, to ice the game. Uh, so I, I think that we look at those guys, it just would be nice if the Patriots could maybe uh, rely on reliable players, you know, more yeah. reliable players. And I, I think that those two guys, you know, JC was brought back and uh, Jack Jones was, uh, you know, drafted to, to help upgrade the secondary. But if they can't be relied upon week in and week out, that that's a big problem. I just say real too. I mean, just to bring Sean Wade back up. I mean, he's a guy who's been here for a few years, kind of waiting for his chance. You know, you're kind of buried on the depth chart, and now this might be it for him. So it's an opportunity that, that he needs to take advantage of. Yep. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting. You know, he, so he started the last game against Washington, but then once Jackson and Jones got in, involved later in the first quarter into the second. We didn't see any more of Wade. I agree with Mike. I, I think it's time we sort of see some different players. And I like the way and, and I know you kind of stumbled up, but rely on some reliable players. I mean, to say it the you know, way possible. yeah. <laughs> and, and and I think right now there's some questions, and I think that's what Bill Belichick and, and his coaching staff are trying to fight through and figure out. Freddie is is where do we go? Who? What do we have that we can rely on? And you know, this is I, I think an opportunity to, to kind of find out. You know, outside of the box kind of trip that they're not. Yeah. You know, you don't take international trips every season. You, you know, if you're, if you're not with us, then then you're not part of it. So let's talk about who they might depend on against this particular team, the uh, the Colts. Any Colts fans in the house? No? Good. No Colts because, jerseys? Because if you said I was going to tell you to leave. Wow. Uh, well, but no, honestly, honestly, you know, you look at the Colts, and you thought going into this year they had a new rookie quarterback, and, you know, they probably weren't going to do that well with him. Uh, and he hasn't played every game, but their backup Gardner Minshew has played well. The Colts score points. Yep. Um, this is not a team that is going to roll over. Um, what do the Patriots need to do against this team? Particularly, we'll stick on the defense, you know, because that's what we're talking about, you know, to, to take this game against the Colts. Well, I mean, I, I think just to highlight the last two games, and I'm sure you know Evan will time in too, but. The big plays. The big plays have really been hurting this defense right now. And I think that's, you know, you saw last week we spent so much time this season talking about, hey, how do they get a good start? How do they get a lead? How do they not win, not, not lose the turnover battle? And, you know, we've seen those things, uh, you know, recently, but it didn't make a difference last week. And I think, you know, the big plays, the rise of the big plays has really been a problem now. Are we as worried about the big plays with Gardner Minshew? Eh, maybe not. So I, I definitely got a point to Jonathan Taylor, too, because I think if he gets running, 
it's going to be a long That's time. at the top of my list. Yeah. I think, you know, in, in Zach Moss, we don't really talk about, but he's up there among the yep. league leaders and, really and rushing right now. He's, you know, and I know Taylor's back now, but Moss is making it difficult for the Colts to just sort of turn it all back over to him. So I think it starts with stopping the run. Fred, we're looking for positives. We're looking for things that you can rely on. The Patriots' run defense is one of the, the real bright spots, I think, of the team. They've been pretty stout most of the season against yep. the run. I think they're second in the league in yards allowed per carry. So I think that that's one factor, I think, going into the game that probably lines up in New England's favor is their ability to stop the run because that's the way the Colts want to start. That's what they're going to make their big plays off of yep. is running the ball and then taking their shots with, with Pittman and, and Pierce downfield. Yeah, I mean, this is the Colts are running the Eagles' offense. Like yep. Shane, uh, Shane Steichen, uh, I always stumble on that name for some reason. Uh, he uh, he is running the same offense that he ran with Jalen Hurts last year in Philly. Uh, so I, there's a lot of, to test the defense schematically. There's a lot of RPOs. There's a lot of uh, run-pass options that include quarterback runs. Like, and they do it with Gardner Minshew just like they were doing it with Anthony Richardson. He had a 17-yard touchdown run against the, the Browns a couple weeks ago. Uh, so he'll run a little bit. And those plays just have a lot of, of different elements to them that that test the defense mentally so if you're the Patriots defense uh, this is a uh, like always but this is a classic like do your job like you have this and I have that type of game and that's been what's been kind of their issue I would say the last couple weeks I mean you expect Miami to to move the ball against everybody and score some points but uh, you know 11 explosive plays that Mike was talking about 20 plus yard gains 11 of them the last two weeks a lot of those are not just getting beat man on man a lot of it is because there's coverage busts or guys not in the right places and things like that and that that's this Colts offense will already test you that way uh, so if you're not you know on your assignments and it's going to be a, it's going to be a long day yeah so on the other side of the ball the Patriots over the last few games really more than that have had trouble putting points on the board they've been stuck at 17 and uh, they've got to turn that around somehow this week they've yeah. got they've got to They've got to get at least into the 20s, I think, uh, to win this game. So what Stop me if you heard it, Freddie. 25. Okay. Can you get over 25? And, and, and that probably would be enough to win because I agree the way these guys are talking about the Colts. You know, they're 4-5. and five. They're not a great team, but they're still sort of alive. Yeah, they're alive even, even though they lost their rookie quarterback. Gardner Minshew has been okay, um, you know, when he's been able to protect the ball. And they've generally been able to score some points it's not a a great offense it's not overly explosive like Evan brought up Miami you expect to give up chunk plays against Miami that shouldn't be the case here so the Patriots offense has to do its part to keep up yeah And, and I think that starts up front I think it's been a little bit better the last couple of weeks we'll see if you know the Trent Brown situation is another one that bears watching he didn't play the last game and uh, didn't practice on, on Wednesday. Um, he was in the locker room this morning. Um, my spies tell me. I don't know if you guys have, have moles <laughs> in the Mike locker room. Yes, Mike Reese told me. And I trust I trust Mike Reese. So it, he also you know, he told was, everybody on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's a, he told me. You know, he told yeah, me first. Yeah, well, yeah. Eric, don't be jealous. Uh, did you get your practice report? I, I, so this well, been, hold on, Eric. I mean, Evan, did you get your practice report yet? Oh. No, and this has been tough for me the last couple oh, days. Okay, because we were going to play the song. I know, no. but I know who was there and, and who wasn't. So if you want to play the song, <laughs> well, we should play the song. Go ahead. Let's go, Faith. Why don't you play it? <laughs> but I'm in Germany. I'm not in practice. This doesn't make any sense. Just go with it. <laughs> 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 
Fresh off the plane, here he is. Are you, are you going to ask me the mood too? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we gotta get, we gotta on a normal it. show, usually Evan will have to step out to go to practice, and he'll give us the report on who was there and who wasn't there. But I also always like to know what was the mood. <laughs> what were the guys? Were they smiling? Were they dancing? Were they just? And he'll he'll give me the mood as well. So that's why we play that song. But Evan, tell us about. Who was, who was and who wasn't in at, at practice? Well, just for the record, the mood is 100% determined by the weather. Like, if it's cold, the mood stinks. If it's hot, then we're all happy. Uh, at practice today, though, uh, no Trent Brown, again, and no J.C. Jackson. So J.C. Jackson hasn't practiced either day. Neither has Trent Brown. Um, we'll get the injury report here shortly, which comes in at, like, 10 o'clock now in uh, Germany time, which definitely threw me off. Uh, but, yeah, the... Trent Brown, J.C. Jackson not practicing. I would assume that that means that Connor McDermott is probably in line to start again at left tackle like he did last week. And uh, all the reports indicating that J.C. is not going to come here to Germany. Well, he hasn't been at practice the last couple of days, so it looks like that's, that's going to be accurate. Okay. All right, so that's, there's your practice report. Um, getting back now to this offense uh, and putting points on the board. We talked about the offensive line. Trent Brown, is, yeah. is this a case of maybe we'll see you on Sunday? He's just getting that veteran rest? or Because he's been hurt. That's what we thought you last know? week. I, you know, I thought yeah. for sure he was going to play last week, but I don't know. It doesn't, look, it doesn't look good, and I think if Trent is you know, dealing with an injury, too, to stick him on a plane for seven hours, and you yeah. know, it, it might be a little much for him, but I thought Connor McDermott did all right last week. So, you know, it's, I mean, they've had to really beat the bushes to try to find tackle depth. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the guys that they brought in, Riley Reef. Uh, Calvin Anderson, you know, have really been battling injuries all year. So it's, they've been scrambling all season long at the tackle position. But, uh, you know, it, it feels like it's starting to come together a little bit. I just, I'd highlight, you know, to get back to the Colts defense, DeForest Buckner, big presence in the middle uh, of the Colts uh, defensive line. And, you know, I think he, you've seen some struggles there from Cole Strange in the middle and those, you know, rookies playing in the middle as well. So that could be a real challenge up getting, you know, pressure right up on Mac Jones's lap as soon as he drops back. Yeah, I do think back to that game last year when they played the Colts in Foxborough. I thought... Buckner really controlled the game from the inside. I thought he gave Andrews and, and Strange uh, some trouble. Um, it's not an overly explosive pass rush, though, on the edges. Yeah. You know, go back, and, and I agree. I, what you guys mentioned, I thought the offensive line it wasn't perfect, but I, I think the last couple of weeks it's trending in the right direction. They're giving him a little bit more time, uh, and Mac Jones has not necessarily been under siege for the whole game. It hasn't been perfect. I don't think the Colts have those kinds of, you know, this is not the days of Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney on the edges, you know. <laughs> it's Quiddy Pay. Um, you know, and, and I think Buckner is the guy to really focus on up front. That's the best guy that they have and yeah. probably on the whole defense, but certainly in the front seven. Well, let's mention Kenny Moore, too, who had two pick sixes last week. A former Patriot was briefly in New England as an undrafted rookie, I think, back in 2017. Yeah. Just don't, don't throw the ball right to him like Bryce Young. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bad idea. It's yeah. going to end up in six. Yeah, I mean, one of them was like on a screen pass that he just, Bryce Young just threw it five yards over the guy's head, and Kenny Moore just caught it and ran it back. But Buckner's a good one, I, I think, because it's a nice little litmus test for Cole Strange and City So. But I'll, mainly for me, Cole Strange. Like, Cole Strange got benched in this game last year uh, because of DeForest Buckner. So uh, can, can he show that he's kind of made that next step? Uh, I think we'll find that out a little bit in this game. And uh, this is a Seattle 3, Gus Bradley, cover 3, zone defense. They play more zone defense than any league, any team in the league. So there should be open receivers. I, I think that's good for Mac yeah. Jones. Yeah, I think have, he's yeah. had 
more success against those kinds of defenses than he has the man-to-man stuff. Yeah, I, I, I kind of forgot about that game last year. I put that out of my memory. Well, it was a Sam Ellinger game. It, it was really one of the worst league, offensive yeah. games I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I don't both, think, way, both yeah, ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ev, I don't know if you remember, but uh, you know, back when they were playing Seattle in the Super Bowl, I remember Tom Brady and yeah. you know talking about schematically how to defeat that kind of cover three. I think it was a lot of like crossers yeah. and you know really trying to track them vertically. Yeah, so or horizontally. I, 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 I don't know how how X's and O's we want to get, but no, you just. Uh, that for two hours. <laughs> but the, the two things that I think you look at, uh, first of all, you know, they played this defense. Uh, Seattle and Atlanta both ran this defense in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. James White and Shane Vereen both had huge games in the passing game in both those games. So you can get the running backs matched up against linebackers in space in this defense, and that's where Ramondre Stevenson, I think, is going to be a big factor in this game. I thought he ran routes better last week. I, I really should have had a huge play on that wheel route if Mac puts it on him too. So I think statistically he could have had a huge day in the passing game if all had gone well uh, for him. And, and maybe this is one of those matchups where uh, he does catch a lot of passes coming out of the backfield working against you know Shaq Leonard or, or those linebackers uh, so I look at that crossing routes are always you know good against single high defenses um, but they play a lot of Mabel coverage so this is where we're getting into like like on the, Mabel like the real nerdy stuff yeah. uh, but uh, Mabel coverage um, you know you have like the X receiver is going to be locked into man-to-man with the corner and then it's it's a basically like the NFL's version of like a box in one defense right where like you got this guy and then we're going to play zone everywhere else and so those coverages are built to stop the crossing routes because they know that that's what teams are going to try to do against them. Uh, so that's how Kenny Moore got Bryce Young. So uh, Bryce Young didn't recognize that it was man-to-man on the backside and thought he could just check it down to the back and just th- flip it over to the back and check it down. No. And it was no, a pick can't. six. Okay, so yeah. let me ask, all right, does anyone know what the hell he's talking about? <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. There we go. All right. There good. Good. We got one. We got some X's and O's people. <laughs> All right. Hell, hell soy no. Fiesta shirt. We, we He's a Gronk guy. Yeah. <laughs> we, he knows we should football. Have, we should have brought the whiteboard. I could have, yeah. yeah. No one needs um, <laughs> So tomorrow um, we'll be giving our predictions, and we're going to be doing this show from Gibson Club. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll give our predictions tomorrow as to what we think is going to happen with the Patriots. But there's a lot of other things to talk about with this team, and one of the great things about working for the Patriots is um, the Kraft family – has always, we've been doing this show, by the way, since 2000. So we've been doing this show for 23 years. Isn't it the world's original podcast, it's the, Fred? Yeah. It's the, it's the <laughs> I've lo- heard that. And it's the longest-running podcast in the world. In the world, not just in sports. Check or, Wikipedia if you don't believe us. Yeah. So one of the great things about working for the Patriots is the crafts demand that we be honest, that we, we say what we feel. Um, and, you know, as long as it's fair and it's about football and the team, it, it's okay. Um, so when you listen or watch our show, you're always going to hear what we really feel. This isn't PR spin. So, you know, one of the things that people have been talking about, uh, you know, back home is the future of, you know, the team and Bill Belichick and Mac Jones. And, and we talk about that. You know, we all have our own opinions about what, what we think should happen. Um, but this week there's been... A lot of rumors about Bill Belichick, about teams, you know, inquiring into him. I don't know if any of them are true, uh, but it's interesting. Um, in two games ago, there was a report that came out before the game about the contract of Bill Belichick, about that he, before the season, signed a new contract, multi-year, I think it was, 
um, yep. phrase, lucrative, lucrative. lucrative multi-year contract. Nobody really knows what that means. <laughs> Nobody knows if that means two years or more. Nobody knows what lucrative means. But for some reason, somebody put that news out there for some reason. And again, we, we say what we think. We don't have answers. So the opinions that we give up here are our own opinions. They're not anyone else's from the team. So I just want to make sure people know that. But it's my opinion that the team put that info out there just in case another team was interested in Bill Belichick, they would know if you contact him, that's tampering because he is under contract. And if you really are interested, you're going to have to go through the crafts and no one else because he's under contract. That's just my opinion. Um, and, but, you know, you guys can agree or disagree. I, I really couldn't agree or disagree. I don't, I don't have the information that... Yeah. You know, that, that these reports come from, and I think it's interesting this week you mentioned that, you know, Bill has sort of been a little bit more on the hot seat. I think the Boston Globe has gone so far as to say this is a huge game for Bill. You know, if it doesn't go well, then who knows what's going to happen. I don't necessarily fall into that category. I don't see really any scenario that Bill Belichick is not the coach at the end of the season. Now, I don't know what's going to happen next year moving forward, and I right. think that's more where, you know, the uncertainty comes from, but I don't see it ending you know mid-season I no. don't really see what's to be gained by that I don't either I mean it's 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 just it's a complicated situation because of not only the past but he's you know 72 years old so you know another team has to realize You're it's going to take ageist, him a little <laughs> it's going to take him a little while to get the program up to speed to get his players in it's it's not like he's going to just waltz in and say I got all the guys I need this is the team I want and we're going to war I mean we know what kind of changes they made Paul you were here and Fred you know in, in 2000 when he got here and the, you know they didn't even have enough players to, to field 53 guys on the team so uh, it's it's a complicated situation I mean, I agree with Paul. I think this coach has been here. He deserves, he's going to be here through the rest of this season. Um, but it is interesting just going into the bye week off of this game because if it isn't Bill, what changes do you make if they were to be 2-8 and eight at that point? Yeah, so what's really sort of interested me, Freddie, when listening to all of the stuff is, you know, listening to, to fans and people that are really passionate about the team, it used to be like 99% or more just all on Belichick's side. And now I feel like it's been really interesting to see that line switch a little bit. And people are, you know, getting impatient. They're upset with the, the fact that it's been four years now post-Tom Brady where the team doesn't seem to be back on track. And I think a lot of people are looking at Bill Belichick. And I'm really, I'm not surprised by it because obviously the results are what they are. But it has been eye-opening to see how quickly that evolved. And you would think a guy who won six Super Bowls Obviously, that's the reason why he's here, right? I mean, yeah. his track record is puts him in line to be the best co coach that's that's ever done it. So, it's I think it's it's not an easy situation for the Crafts and for us and and for the team trying to figure out exactly how to go when this season's over. But at two and seven, you know, you got half a season left to sort of right the ship a little bit and at least get things going back in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like mid-season, it, it just. There has to be some sort of respect level for what he's accomplished here. And, Agreed. And, like, yep. Tom Brady... Fred's the one. He'll, the, he'll be the one to give him the respect. The, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, and I've been... You know, people that listen to the show, you know, regularly know that, like, I have a lot of issues with Bill the coach right now and Bill the GM. But when you look at it at the end of the season, you know, 
it didn't end with Brady the way I think anybody really would have wanted it to end. And it took a couple of years for that relationship to get to the point where it is now, where he's coming week one and uh, they have the event in, in June and things like that. You don't want that same sort of ill will with Bill Belichick. Like, this is somebody that we want to be a part of the Patriots organization, of the Patriots history. We want Bill to come back for retirement ceremonies and for Patriots Hall of Fame inductions and obviously Pro Football Hall of Fame inductions and all that kind of stuff. And if you, that's embarrassing to get fired midseason. Like, that is a, yeah. a huge. You, you, you can't do that to him. No, and I think he's earned it. Like, I think he's earned the right to at least end it amicably in the right way and like i also think he's earned not getting fired on black monday like if they like i don't think you fire him week 18 the day after the season ends and like all these other coaches unfortunately are all going to get can you know we'll wake up monday morning and six coaches will have been fired like i think that you that you have to handle this situation differently than those types of things you know that said let's say things don't get better this season and the patriots end up only winning the two games that they have or three maybe and you know they've got this really high draft pick and they have the opportunity to pick one of the best quarterbacks in the draft and we'll get into Mac Jones in a little bit but you know it's my opinion that if you're drafting for the Patriots and the quarterback that you really love becomes available you got to get him it's really hard to get great quarterbacks in this league so you have to pick that quarterback and if you do don't you want a coach a head coach to be with that quarterback for the long term. You know, you want the coach and the quarterback to go into the future together. And even if you love Bill Belichick, like Mike said, he's 72. How much longer is he going to be here? Um, you're hoping that the quarterback that you choose, if he's a top quarterback, is going to be here for 10 years, 10 plus years. So it's, it's a little bit of a catch-22, not to steal your show's <laughs> hey, name. Hey, hey. You know, um, but... <laughs> What do you yeah. do if you have the opportunity to get that young quarterback? Do you want a young coach, you know, one of those new offensive-minded coaches that are doing so well around the league? Do you want him to come in at the same time so that they can grow together? It's, it's, it's it a makes real, it complicated. It's yeah, a real absolutely. issue. It's a real issue. Yeah, and, and to that point, too, do you trust Bill, based off of what he did with Mac Jones, to build around Drake May or build around Caleb Williams or – you know, and I think that's where I think most people's biggest issues back home with with Belichick is actually more the GM side of things and the the talent on the roster, especially on the offensive side of the ball. If you draft another quarterback and you give him the same, you know, supporting cast that Mac has gotten, why would we think that that's going to go significantly differently? Like, obviously, maybe that quarterback's better than Mac, and it, and he makes it look a little bit better. But if it's three offensive coordinators in three years and really no number one receiver and the offensive yeah. line's in shambles, is that that rookie is what's he going to do? Yeah. You know, he's going to look at it the same way that Mac does. So I, I think that that's a big thing for me, too, is like philosophically, does, is Bill going to pay T. Higgins twenty five million dollars next year so that Drake may has somebody to throw to? Or is he going to look at it the same way and sign Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne? You yeah. know, 
I love how Evan just maps it all out, like, <laughs> hypothetically, like, you know, is Drake May going to be able to throw the ball to T. Higgins? And are they going to, you know. Well, Paul, because whoa, Drake May is going to throw the ball to T. Higgins, all right? And then Pop Douglas is going to be the number two in the slot. Oh, there we and go. And we're going back to the Super Bowl. That's I'm, the way I'm, I'm seeing I'm here right? for that I, part I like it. it. What, what, I'm here, I'm here for that part. Okay. Thank you. All right. <laughs> I just fixed it. Boom. Boom. Mic drop. So who's coaching that? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's exactly the problem. And I also look at Bill O'Brien and, and know that, you know, he's an ambitious guy. And we've already heard some rumors connecting him to some college jobs already this season. Mm-hmm. So if he, it's the same, it's the same carousel. Like if he goes ahead and he leaves after one year with the rookie quarterback, just like Josh McDaniels did in 2022, you're right back to where you were in year two with Mac, where you have another coordinator and, you know, it's just the same thing. So you have to get out of that cycle somehow. Yeah. So we mentioned Mac Jones uh, during the course of this latest discussion. And um, now he's in his third year. And last year was a disaster because they had a defensive coordinator who had never been an offensive coordinator as also his head coach, his quarterback's coach. And it didn't work out. Actually, I'm sorry, Joe Judge was his quarterback, who was a special teams coach. So they had two coaches in places who had never done what they were being asked to do last year. And they were doing it with a young quarterback, and it didn't work out. So everybody was hoping that this third year, you bring in Bill O'Brien, who that's all he's done, really, is either been a head coach or an offensive coordinator, and things were going to get a lot better. And they really haven't. You know, you all all know. and a lot of talk back home is, okay, where does the blame fall? Is it just Mac, or is it the fact that the offensive line hasn't played well, that he doesn't have a top-flight receiver, uh, he's now going on his third coordinator? You know, it, it, it's a tough position for Mac, for yeah. sure. But you have to admit, you know, there's been problems. Well, yeah. And, and yeah. that's why a lot of these things, I think, are, are complicated because there's so many different ways – of looking at it, you know, and I think there's a lot of people that are fiercely loyal to Bill Belichick for all, all the games that he's won. So some of those people look at Mac Jones and say he's not good enough. And then there's people that look at some of the things that Bill has done with Mac, like Evan pointed out, and they wonder, well, well, Mac needs more support. And then they look at the offensive line. They had an opportunity. They had a hole at tackle, and they didn't take one. And now you, you spent the better part of the first nine games giving up a lot of quarterback pressure. It's like and Mac doesn't have a chance. And so... Every time, no matter who you talk to, someone has a different opinion as to what the biggest problem is, which is how you get to two and seven, because it's never that simple. Yeah. There are a lot of things that are lacking. It's like a chicken or the egg theory, right. and that's what we've kind of been doing. Of course, we're here before the bye week trying to get to the bottom of all their problems and figure out who the coach is going to be and who they're going to draft. But, uh, you know, specific to Mac, I mean, it's just like you said, Fred, I thought when Bill O'Brien came in and, and even when we met Bill O'Brien for the first time this spring and he came in and had a media availability and it was like, wow, it feels like there's like an adult in the building. Like there's a guy who knows offense and knows what he wants. And that moment you were excited and felt like, all right, he can really turn things around. And I think we've gotten to this point in the season where it feels like Mac is really struggling to stay in, in, in sync with the offense. And, you know, it's, it's certainly he doesn't have a lot around him, but I don't think he's, you know, as we said, we talked a little bit about C.J. Stroud here and what he was yeah. able to do last week. And it's, you know, a one-off kind of example. And it's hard to compare that one guy had a great game and, you know, pulled out an upset. But it's hard as a Patriots fan to see what he did and said, well, he's not really working with all that much. How is he able to do that? So I don't know if we're going to get the answer this year, but it's, it's, it's around and around we go. Yeah, I mean, 
Mac ha- has to take some of the blame or some of the fall for it because, especially the last couple weeks, uh, since they moved on Wenu to right tackle, the line play has been okay. Has it been? They're not, you know, the 1990s Cowboys, but like they're they're protecting the quarterback and and he's not under siege all the time. And there's plays to be made on the tape where there's open receivers and he's just not seeing them, or uh, the timing of the play is off, or sometimes like against the Commanders, he's just flat out missing the throws. You know, Tyquan Thornton on fourth down is open, he just misses the throw. Uh, Ramondre on the wheel route open, and he uh, you know underthrows him. So those plays are there to be made. Uh, I think you know some of the things that have been talked about. Um, back home about you know the, his post game press conference and how he was saying uh, he kind of agreed with a question that said that he doesn't exactly have an all star cast around him. Uh, what I look at that more is if, you know some people are trying to make that out to be this shot, which it might have been, but I also look at it and I'm like I think he believes that, which is infecting his play. Like if he just handled what he could handle and controlled what he could control, I think the biggest thing like watching him play. He's really sped up, like his decision-making and stuff like that, and he looks frantic when he's playing. If I was Bill O'Brien, I would just be like, just just calm down. Like, just settle down, like take a breath, you know, collect yourself, play slower, you know, play within the confines of the scheme, and, like, don't think about all these other variables of, you know, there's pressure here and, you know, my feet are here and the receiver is, you know, not exactly as open as I thought he would be or whatever. Just run the plays that are being called and – control your own process and i think there would be better results because i do think there are opportunities for him to make some plays yeah and i think it's been interesting listening to bill o'brien a little bit um he talked on on tuesday and there i mean not openly critical but some references to plays that evan's talking about that are being missed and i know everybody you know went in with the assumption that bill o'brien would fix everything and i think now people are wondering well what's bill o'brien doing like why is the offense look just as bad as it did last year and i think some of these comments that you're hearing are like no we just we need to everything everybody we all need to do better there are opportunities to make plays and we're missing them i thought it was that that reference to the taekwon thornton play that you're talking about on fourth down that yeah. billy o made the other day was eye-opening to me and then you know you start hearing some of the other shows with our buddy burt breer you know talking about people in the building mentioning some of these opportunities missed. That's the question I keep coming back to, Paul, is just what would happen if Mac hits the opportunities that are there for him? Like, what does that look like? And, you know, I, I, I still am kind of waiting for that game because, you know, there's, there's plenty of videos going around of, of the last couple games. And, you know, like you guys mentioned, some of those shots that were there. But, you know, can he hit those? And all of a sudden, you know, maybe he starts to get some confidence. He's, he slows yeah. down a little bit. His footwork gets back on track. And, you know, maybe then there is something there. They start to win a few games, and then we're not really talking about, hey, let's get Drake right. May and Caleb, but they, we can build around that. And yeah. you, you talk about, like, you know, Evan said, you know, he looks sped up. Yeah. And I think of that wheel route to Stevenson where I thought the pocket was decent. Yeah. And he still kind of faded away from the throw and threw off his back foot. The ball floated a little bit. That's the play the the Washington linebacker sort of the last second got his hand up and knocked the ball. But if the pass is sort of to the outside or over the top of the shoulder, I don't think the linebacker can it's do anything about it. Yard touchdown. Uh, you know, and, and I do think and you mentioned, you know, all the running back stuff against the Colts specifically. Yeah. You know, against the the Seattle, you know, cover three. Yeah, and I, I I do think that Stevenson has been a bigger part of the passing game the last couple of games. Yeah, and it looks he like they're, really make, good they're making an effort game. for that. Um, you know, we even going back to the Buffalo game where he made the big play with the screen at the yeah. end of the game. So, 
I'd look for Stevenson on Sunday, maybe more as a receiver. Yeah, you know, he made some really good, uh, ran some really good routes. I think that, you know, Jermaine Davis, the linebacker for the Commanders, it's kind of like more like a Jawan Bentley run enforcer type, and they kind of targeted him a little bit in the passing game. And Ramondre Stevenson was open a lot in that game, and, and they did make some plays, you know, third down plays, things yep. like that, other than the wheel route. But the wheel route is just one of those things that there is a little bit of pressure that's coming up through the middle. And as an NFL quarterback, like you just got to stand in there and and step into the throw and take the hit. Like that's and that's that was what the first play of the two minute drill too at the end of the game, right? Yeah. It was like a little skinny post yeah. almost to yeah. you know him kind of like j- uh, yeah. just jamming out of the backfield. Yeah, like that's just that's that's what an NFL pocket is. Like it's not it's not always going to just be this like perfectly clean pocket. Sometimes it's going to be a little muddy. There's going to be some people around you and you have to be able to just calmly stand in there and make throws. And I think sometimes we, we see with Mac that, that he doesn't do that as often as he should. So our team, our team has a lot of work to do, but the one thing that we can all, um, I don't know, feel good about is that the crafts want to win more than we do. So they know, and they're not going to sit still. Um, they're going to do whatever they think they need to do to get the Patriots back to the winning ways that we've been used to. So that's one thing that we can all hang our hat on, is that the Crafts want to win more than we do. Another thing we do on this show is we take emails and we take calls. Uh, people around the world can call us at 855-PATS-500. Uh, that's our phone number. Uh, so... Phone lines are open if people want to call. If you want to email the show, it's webradio at patriots.com. We've got emails coming in now. Uh, one is from uh, Chad in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. He says, can we acknowledge the cojones on the media member who asked Bill if his job was in jeopardy? You couldn't pay me to ask that. I'd be afraid he'd make me run laps. Question, what could Bill do, if anything, to save his job at this point if it's in danger? When? I mean, win games. They got. I mean, produce points and win games. I think that's the direct. The route. second part of that, I think, is you know, big. get get Mac Jones get Mac looking right, more comfortable. Score thirty points against the Colts, and you know you're gonna all of a sudden, you know, Fred. I just they put Mike Vrabel into the Hall of Fame a couple of weeks ago, and you saw, I think, the Bill that we all wish we saw more of, which was the talkative, funny storytelling Bill, and it, you know, it was just for me a little bit of a reminder of you know what what a, a person who's seen so much, who knows so much about the game, but. I think it's a simple answer, and that's score points, win games, and you know, starting this week, it'd be great. Come here to, to Frankfurt, reset a little bit. Got a great international fan base that's coming out to support the team, some renewed energy, and then you go home and, all right, we, maybe we found something there in Frankfurt. You know, and look, it might be too far gone at this point. They're 2-7. and seven. I'm not you know, saying they're going to make the playoffs, and I know there are plenty of fans out there that want to lose every game and get that number one overall pick and get that quarterback, um, but I, I still think that there's some positivity could be had. I, you know, in my opinion, you know, winning is the obvious answer, but the other thing is to keep the locker room together. Um, you know, we talked about the Jack Jones thing and, and J.C. Jackson, and we don't know what happened, but there was some disciplinary stuff going on. And that's the type of thing that happens to teams that aren't doing well. Yep. Guys start, you know, getting off the program, and they start doing their own thing, and they stop listening. And, you know, back in the day, I'm not saying that de- that didn't happen when the Patriots were winning Super Bowls, but you had locker room leaders that would, as Evan police said, themselves. they police themselves. You know, Bill Belichick didn't have to go into the locker room on Wednesday and rip everyone a new one because he had 
his players yeah. that would do that for him. That guy Teddy Bruschi right behind you on that monitor just popped up in an old Patriots uh, yeah. Colts Te- classic. Teddy Bruschi, I mean, Willie McGinnis, so. Rodney Harrison, go down the line. I got it. Yep, <laughs> they ain't got it. These guys, and so you wonder, you know, we know that uh, Matthew Slater is is the leader, but he's a special teams guy. He doesn't even really practice with the team. He does his own thing. <laughs> so no, no disrespect, no disrespect to Matthew Slater, but who are those guys? That is going to grab a teammate by the grill and tell them, hey, let's get it together. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things that I think Bill needs to do right now is make sure that that locker room finishes strong down the stretch. Yeah, I agree, Freddie. And that is why when Mike said the second part of that, like getting the offense, if his job isn't, and we don't know, we just don't. But if his job is, in fact, sort of in jeopardy, then that's the, the way to do it. Show that you, you still have firm control of the locker room and show that everybody is still willing to follow you. And put, you know, put together, you know we all looked at the, the Buffalo game a couple of weeks ago, and that was so refreshing because it was a, a, a change to the narrative. Yep. It was pretty productive offense for 60 minutes. It was a, a last-second drive, you know, come from behind. Things we hadn't really seen a lot of since you know who left. Yep. And, and all of a sudden there was, there was, there was some hope. Well, I don't want to upset Deuce. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Mike doesn't like Tom Brady. Mike doesn't like I'm, Tom Brady. I'm only kidding. I'm only it's, kidding. It's sort of a shtick at this yeah. point. No, but, it's true. But I Mike, Mike got bored of Mike, going 12 and 4 every year and winning the, you know, going know. to the AFC Championship. I just got to embrace it. Yeah, it's just embrace right. the, heel, I mean, he was okay. the heel turn. I like it. Um, so I, I do think that's how, it, that's how it goes, Freddie. What you said, keep control of the locker room and... Yeah. Maybe we have a different conversation when it's over. Yeah, that was uh, Dakota N- uh, Randall from Nesson, by the way, that, that asked really? Bill that question. And uh, you wouldn't be paying me anymore if I asked that question. <laughs> right. So I might ask it if, in my head, but I wouldn't ask it out Well, loud. maybe we can split whatever he's making. <laughs> uh, Mike in Charlotte, North Carolina, writes in, I don't believe that Bill all of a sudden forgot how to coach. I believe the bigger issue is on the GM side and not acquiring the correct players either through the draft or free agency. I think the Kraft's easiest way to move on is to tell Bill we're hiring a GM and they want Bill to focus on coaching. If Bill doesn't want to give up the GM role and leaves the team, then the Kraft's can start over with a new GM and coaching staff without firing Bill. They will be able to publicly say that they made an effort to retain him. Yeah, I, I mean, just to highlight the draft, that's kind of my, my thing. And it's, you know, I just, they haven't got the return on investment in their recent draft picks. And I think it's a big reason why they don't have the talent to kind of compete with those upper echelon teams right now is, you know, you just you, you haven't hit on enough of those first-round draft picks that they've needed to. And, you know, recent years, you, you've had Mac, you've had, you know, you had some promise, um, but just not enough of those A-plus elite kind of guys that, that can really change the tenor of a game at any second, any given play, can all of a sudden go for 90 yards and, and you're in the end zone. All right, we're going to give this a try. We have people calling the show as well. Um, on the We call it the Ace Ticket Hotline. We're not on line three. Yeah, <laughs> we've got uh, Harvey from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, let's see. Harvey, can you hear us? Yes, sir. Can you all hear me? All right. Yeah. What do you got? Yes, sir. How's everybody doing? Sorry. Let's get an outline out Let's get Miles Bryant out. Is that what you Let's get him out of there ASAP. All right. Move move Bill down from the GM position. Put him only on the field only. He has nothing to do with what's going on in the office. Okay. Let's get him out of the office. Bring him back down to the field just for poker. Let's get somebody else in there for the money moves and bring them big-time players in there. 
All right. Whoops. Thanks, Harvey. I, I, I was having trouble hearing him. Okay, yeah. so he's coming at Miles Bryant. Okay, <laughs> all right. An easy get him, target. Get Miles Bryant out of there. Okay, That's so how it started, I, right? I just, there's two things about Miles Bryant. It's obvious that they could have a better player than Miles Bryant in that in a, such a, a full-time, regular role. But we just talked about uh, two guys in J.C. Jackson and Jack Jones that reportedly got benched for disciplinary reasons off the field. You want to say anything you can about Miles Bryant gives an F. Like, Miles Bryant's there every single day. Miles Bryant it works hard. Miles Bryant plays hard. He answers questions to the media. He doesn't run out of the locker room after the game when he plays poorly and refuses to talk. So you can say what you want about his talent level and, and the fact that maybe they do need to upgrade that spot from that point of view. But you can't have guys that are just, you know, skipping out on things and, and not making curfew and things like that and then come after Miles Bryant. Yeah. Like, that's just an unfair talk target in my opinion it's tough too with how shorthanded they've been and I think he's been kind of thrust into some positions that's not maybe his ideal you know fit but I have to say like I, I totally rubber stamp everything Evan said I just I, th I think Miles Bryant's a tough player I think he's a little bit underrated I just if they were able to use him with you know if you still had Christian Gonzalez and Jonathan Jones is healthy and you know I think Miles Bryant is a piece you know maybe you don't want to be relying on him as one of your top one or two corners but but I, I he's just one of those guys on the team right now that's become one of the targets yeah uh, let's see. Uh, Alex is in um, Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, and he says, y'all got some good lighting there. That's right. This is a great opening, a great show so far. Fred looking good in the kit. See, some people like it. <laughs> I told you, you had, you had your kit on. I uh, said that. Question. Is this a game where Barmore needs to make a great impact? Oh, He's been go. doing well, putting pressure on the line and QB, but can he do more? I don't oh. know how you can do Evan, more. Evan. He's played well. Yes. That's my guy. Yeah. What's well, coming back on? And Paul, you you love him too. I mean, I it's, have a crush on him. The Patriots yeah, traded up to get him in, in 2021. I mean, just you know, I think we all saw the potential in him as a disruptive pass rush guy. We talked a little bit about DeForest Buckner, maybe not as big as him, but we always when we had Tom Brady. That's how you got Tom Brady, right? Pressure up the middle, quick, right in his lap. And and I think that Barmore is just such a useful piece. The problem's been that they ask a lot of defensive linemen in New England. They want right. them to two-gap. They want them to be able to play the run. And I think there's been some inconsistencies, you know, in his game. So, it, it, but the last few games have been great. Yeah. For the last month, uh, Christian Barmore ranked second in the league in pressures amongst defensive tackles. He's been one of the best D-tackles in the NFL for about a month now. Uh, he is playing out of his mind. He had eight quarterback pressures in the game last week against Washington. Yeah. You know, we had Vince Wilfork was here um, earlier yeah. today. And, um they're not the same player. I mean, obviously Vince was yeah. much bigger, uh, you know, in terms of just yeah. bigger. <laughs> um, but I, I think athletically, that's the kind of player that Barmore is. He's a little bit of a, you know, a, a more athletic interior defensive lineman. Yeah. And you're starting to see some of that, that show up on uh, eight pressures he had. I didn't realize that number. He's been really, really good now for the last several games. Yeah, and he's also been really good against the run. Like, it's not just been the pass rush. Because we know, we obviously always known, I feel like, that he can rush the passer. His rookie year, I think he had, like, 60 quarterback pressures and uh, one of the better rookie seasons for an interior rusher. Uh, but now that he's adding the, pa the the rush defense to it as well, now he's, he's a three-down player. Like, you're talking about a guy that can be a 60, 75, you know, 60 to 65% mm -hmm. guy. Yeah. So, so, you know, people talk about, you know, who are the Patriots going to build around for the future? I think Christian Barmore is one of those guys that Hopefully. they should. Yes. Yeah. I think Keon White, a guy that they drafted this year, has shown promise. Obviously, Christian Gonzalez, their first-round pick this year, he got hurt, uh, and he's not playing anymore this season, but he showed that he can really stick with some of the best receivers in the game. So that's promising as well. So there's some 
defensive pieces that they have. Maybe they re-sign Duggar, uh, who's going to be a, a free agent at the end of the season. Need to re-sign. Yeah. yeah. So there's some pieces on defense that they can build around. So, you know, the future is not all, well, you know, yeah, crazy. And, and Pop Douglas, too. Rookie Demario yeah. Douglas. I mean, he's, you know, had his best game, most productive game last week. And, I, I mean, I think we all look at Pop Douglas and say, like, this is a Patriots receiver. This is a little yeah. quick jitterbug guy that can get open off the line. And, you know, it's, it would seem on paper that that's what Mac needs. You know, a guy that he trusts. Love to see Mac just continuing to go to him in big spots. But... There are some bones here with this team, no matter what kind of happens this offseason. There are, there are some guys, and Gonzalez was outstanding. What did we see him, like nine quarters? I don't know exactly what the number was, but uh, not enough. And, and he really promising for a second season, hopefully. Okay. Um, where's our DJ? Because I was going to take a break and pump up the music, but he's not here. So I'll have to wait till he gets back. Do you want me to sing? Uh, you can do it. Yeah, Paul, Paul can sing. Do some karaoke? Well, you know, hey, Paul, real quick, I just, I, you know, there was someone here in a Drew Bledsoe jersey, and God bless that oh. person. Oh. I think they might have left, but Paul's favorite player of all oh. time. I thought Drew made the trip for you, Paul, just to come and support you, but uh, I'm not sure where that fan went. So. <laughs> all right. Um, Russell in Arkansas writes in, would you dial up the pressure on this Colts offense and maybe rattle Minshew. Also, can we get Paul a Diet Miller and, <laughs> and Fred a different shirt? Oh, they really don't like your shirt. They don't uh, like it. No, no, no. Well, but, they've been blitzing a lot. But, but they, I thought Bayern more. Munich was a good team. Are they not good? Yeah. Well, no, they're it, good, right? You're going to ignite rivalries no. right within this very room. They right? win it every year, right? Yeah, so they're good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. They're, you know. I'm yeah. trying to, like, what, I'd love to have someone explain, like, are you wearing, like, a Jets jersey? No, he's wearing Patri- a Patriots jersey. Are you wearing jersey? a Patriots But are we in Jets land? Like, like what's the... No, we're in Eintracht land, right? <laughs> Frankfurt Eintracht, right? Yeah, okay. But they haven't given me a shirt, so <laughs> I'm wearing Bayern Munich shirt. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so as far as dialing up the pressure... I mean, would you go all out or would you, you know? They've blitzed a ton yeah. this season. Almost More every game, they're, they're yeah. very high in the blitz usage. Yep. I, you know, it's funny. Like, sorry. It hasn't, been, it hasn't been overly effective lately. Anyway. Yeah. Nope. And I, even just looking at some of the numbers on, uh, you know, next-gen stats, it's like it wasn't even like a correlation between Judon going down and they just like, we got to start blitzing. Like, they were kind of blitzing a lot even when they had oh, yeah. Judon. So it's a little bit of a, I, I feel like, a shift in aggressiveness from this defense. You know, historically, especially when Matt Patricia was here, it was a, you know, sit back, wait, wait for you to kind of make the mistakes and take away the big plays. But they've been trying to get after quarterbacks. And, I mean, it, it worked against Josh Allen. That was the game yeah. where... Hey, they got a bunch of pressure on him. They got right on, right in on him. Uh, I, I, one way or another, you got to get pressure and, and try to force Gardner Minshew into mistakes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that the blitzing the last couple of weeks hasn't worked because they haven't been able to tie it together with coverage. Yeah. So they blitz Gardner Minshew, for example, on that crazy cross-body throw that he made to uh, Byron Pringle. Uh, they blitz, but they busted the coverage Sam on the Howell. back end. You're talking about the Washington game. Yeah, right? yeah, and. Uh, I say Gardner Minshew. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Howell made, and they busted the coverage. So if you don't tie it together, then it's not, you know, if you don't have pressure, like on the Miles Bryant touchdown, and I'm sure that's what the caller called in to attack poor Miles, uh, when on that touchdown, they didn't get any pressure. They blitzed, but they didn't get it. No one got home. And if you blitz and nobody gets home, well, then you're in trouble, right? That, that's, yeah. that's a recipe for disaster. So if they're going to blitz, it's going to have to be more tied together from the back end and the front end because you can't cover zero blitz and send the house and then not get home. <laughs> like That's just asking for trouble. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Boston Cream writes in. Oh, <laughs> oh, there's our guy. He wants to know. How big the schnitzel is. <laughs> Paul, Paul, you had a schnitzel? Sizable. I had some yesterday. Yeah? 
Yeah, it was pretty pretty big. Look good. Okay. We had we had some uh, some what, what, worst worst worst. Worst. I'm learning the worst. language. Worst. Yeah. We, uh, what else did we do? And then me and Paul kind of chickened out. Went to Five Guys. Yeah, today. you guys <laughs> went to Five Guys, which is just hilarious. <laughs> you gave <but>. us up. <laughs> I know. I feel bad being in another country, and you want to try the food and everything. But I was like, all right, I just need ugly a little, Americans. Little taste of yeah. home. Let's pump me full. Well, I really five want guys. like a good brat, you know, before we go home. So maybe these guys can help me with some recommendations of where we should go. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Uh, let's see, Chris from Colorado. Writes in as far as as fair and balanced arbiters of our football sanity. Have you guys made up your mind as to what needs to happen next season? I'm looking for your personal opinion. Is it a new coach, new quarterback, full reboot? My guess would be that Paul needs to see more. <laughs> Evan has a spreadsheet on which players should be drafted and acquired. Mike True. will move his hatred for Tom Brady and move it to Bill, and Fred will whistle through the graveyard. Uh, love, love everything you guys do. Thanks for putting in the time, effort, and jet lag to keep us entertained. Oh, so that's, that's nice. That's I mean, if the spreadsheet is being created, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely I have true. no doubt. Yeah. Um, but if I'm being completely honest, I'd like to sort of lean toward the reboot. I, I'd like to try to turn the page and start yeah. over. I, I mean, it takes a lot of courage to say that. Uh, I, I'm the same. I mean, <laughs> not really. Look, I... <laughs> I, I just think for me, I'm kind of sick of watching the same games over and over for the last couple of years. And that's been, you know, they just can't seem to break this rut where, you know, even last year, and I, I don't know what the stats are, but we talk about, yeah, they've won some games, but it's always against backup quarterbacks. Like, you know, well, the, we got one this week. The win so. from Buffalo, yeah, the win from Buffalo that, you know, that stood out for a couple of weeks ago. And I, I think we all felt really positive because, like you said, Paul, it flipped the script. But, you know, even if you want to throw in that 2020 season with Cam Newton, which I think we all kind of allow is, look, it was the COVID year, there were no fans it was cam on you know and coming in you, in you ran brady out of town so, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, that's not true uh, <laughs> but you know i just it, it that's what's just getting repetitive is watching the same kind of game unfold where they're up they're down 17-3 at halftime and you know and then they they you know make a couple scores in the third quarter and they they lose 24-13 but you know it's just yeah. that, that and i don't know how you, you guys break feel that cycle i've gotten to the point where i can't have them both back yeah, I, you know, if yeah. if Max stays, then I think Bill has to go. It, now, if you want to say, I'm going to err on the side of letting Bill go out on his terms because of all he's done, I'd support that. I mean, I think there's a good argument to be made. Why are you pulling the plug on the greatest coach who's ever done it? So if that happens, I think you have to change the quarterback because I don't think those two guys work together. Yeah. And I haven't seen any evidence of that the last two years. You know, as a rookie, there was some promise there with Josh McDaniels running the show. And again, like Mike said, beating up on some banged up backup quarterback led teams. And since then, we haven't seen any progress. I don't like the way it looks, for lack of a better term, the way, you know, Bill doesn't often call Mac Jones the quarterback and my start, you know, my starter when he's asked about it. So I don't think it's a great relationship from afar. And I feel like if you're going to move forward with one of them, the other one has to go. Yeah. Okay. I, I just look at it from like a big picture standpoint too of like this organizationally, they need to decide that scoring points and offense is the most important thing for this team. And if that means changing the quarterback, if that means changing the quarterback, if that means changing the head coach too, then, then so be it. Right. But until they go out and they start really throwing some real resources at the offense side of the ball, you know, pay guys, top of the market money, uh, first round picks on skill talent or tackles or whatever, you know, it's all well and good that Bill had his defense draft last year, but they had a pretty good defense in 2022 and he goes out and uses his top three draft picks on defense. And then in free agency, he paid everybody on defense to come back 
and, and play, you know, for them this year. And the offense got what? You know, Juju, Juju, uh, you know, Mike Kosicki. And th- thankfully, thankfully, they, they found Pop Douglas in the sixth round and they got one little thing out of it. But really, you look at last offseason for the offensive side of the ball and it was a complete disaster honestly oh, yeah. let's go to the phones ace ticket hotline we'll go to ernie in tennessee what's up ernie yeah i uh listening to you guys uh about bill um I'm, I'm in agreement with uh not firing him during the season i think uh the national media has him you know out if they don't win the game but i don't see that i just think he just uh was kind of hard on them the media and they're just trying to get back at him. Okay, so you, you're not you're not for firing him during the season. But what do you want to do after the season? I think the call is right. Just you know, give him an option. You know, coach or and and hire a GM and and uh, go that way. Thanks, Ernie. Appreciate the call. I, I, Big, bigger. It's not going to happen. I don't. I don't like. Do you? How do you guys feel about that? That yeah. setup, it's like, not gonna I, work. I think it's dysfunctional. I also just feel we have to look at the product on the field at some point and say, like, are they even being coached well at this point? Like la- the game against the Commanders, they didn't lose that game because they didn't have enough talent to win the game. They lost that game because special teams had four penalties in the last three drives of the game. The defense is giving up six plays of twenty plus yards because they're busting coverages all over the place. Like they, those are the Bills' two areas: special teams and defense, and they're not even buttoned up in those areas. So I, I just don't even know if that's enough is to just take away GM dudes. I think everybody just thinks like, oh, let's get a GM in here that that drafts all this amazing talent. Like it's that easy, and it's just going to fix just, all these problems. It's, ne- it's never going to fly. It's never going to fly with Bill. You know. Yep. Mike's, Mike, Mike is off. Yeah, Mike might be Mike, done. Mike. Uh, Dominique is in New York. What's up, Dominique? Hey, how y'all doing? All right. Good, good. Hope you're uh, enjoying Germany. Thanks for all that you do. Um, it's kind of going back to the point with, with Bill Belichick in his you know, position or what it looks like after the season. I'm not kind of in, I agree. I don't know how that looks. I mean, him as a GM, I don't know if we really want that, looking at the picks that he's made, the signs that he you know had influence over. I don't know if that works. I mean, coaching, you know, are you really going to have someone that's going to come in uh, and, and quarter support him, and would he allow that to happen? So it's, it's kind of a, a no-man's land with what Bill's going to be. Um, at this point, you know, the season is what it is. You find what you don't, you know, it, to me, it's not really going to make much of a difference. I think we've seen what we've seen, um, and we can just hope for a high draft pick. But I would ask, you know, putting yourself in the shoes as a GM and assuming that, you know, you aren't getting uh, Caleb Williams or Drake May. Who would you start your franchise with next year? What coaching change would you make, and who would you actually maybe, you know, assuming Bill Lee's identify as a coach, and, and I'll take that offline. Okay. Thanks, Dominique. Yeah. So, head coaching names. Who, who, who are we talking about? Gerard. Gerard Mayo. Has to be. Okay. I, He's uh, in the house. But but uh, that goes counter to what you're saying with yeah. the offense. I don't, I don't want that. Yeah. I... I I like Gerard Mayo a lot for two reasons. One, I think defensively they still have a really good system, and that keeps that side of the ball in place where you have a a defense that has been successful and you can keep that together, keep building with what they've done on that side of the ball because I – and maybe, you know, I, I think Paul and I might disagree on this a little bit, but I, I don't think the defense has been the problem. Like, Oh, no. For the, th- the problem? For three no. years. Are they as good as maybe 
they could be or you know whatever maybe not but uh, i like gerard mayo a lot i think that you know some of the things that you you hear talk about mayo too is that he is uh, pretty into some of like the new way of thinking uh, about building a football team and you know analytically and, and things like that and although he wouldn't be the offensive coach necessarily uh, to tie it all together uh, ideally i think you would have somebody that would prioritize offense and see the importance of offense in today's game because I think he sees it a little bit differently in that respect than Bill. Yeah, I, I mean, you could sell me on it if you can give him a strong, young mind offensively, you know, a strong yeah. offensive coordinator uh, to come in and sort of change the way they do it because I get back to what Mike and Evan were talking about earlier in the show about they need to find the importance of scoring points and, and prioritizing scoring to get – I think, to where the, the league is nowadays. And I, I think yeah. that, you know, most games are won. You know, the good teams are going to win by getting up, upwards of 30 points. And, you know, you look at the Super Bowl between two really good teams and really balanced teams, but it becomes a shootout because that's what the talent is going to lend itself to once you get into those spots. And the talent's going to win out. And you, if you can't win that way, you're going to be held short. So... I worry. I mean, I, I don't know exactly. I don't have the name. I don't have a, a Rolodex of all yes, the Yes, you do. You just, descri- you just described Ben Johnson. Well, Ben Johnson's the guy I want, yeah. but I understand that he might not be available. He might not just, you know, you can't just wave a magic wand and, yeah. and get whatever the guy. Ben Johnson's the guy that I've had my eye on yeah. uh, a little bit. Um, you know, I, I could be sold on Eric Bieniemy. You know, yeah. he's, I, I, like, I don't think that's a, a, a tremendously talented roster that Washington has. And they found a way to be pretty competitive offensively every week. First year, um, you know, running the show there uh, with, with that group of players. I could be I, – I, that's what I want is a, an offensive yeah. guy. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to try to talk here in my mic. No, yeah, I don't, no, think, no, I don't no, think we Mike, have. No, you're silence. You're just off the show. Uh, Mark in Elm Street says – Marine Corps, we, uh, we have an emergency. <laughs> he's heading to major dental surgery, but he's not going to take his headphones off. Um, <laughs> oh. He says, he says he's 55. Bill's the best I've ever seen, but he's 72 and tired of the non-football stuff, and it's starting to show. So, and he gives one example, um, Myers, Jacoby Myers, getting rid of Jacoby Myers. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand what he's talking about. He felt like, I think he's ascribing that whole theory that Jacoby Myers was one of those guys that sort of spoke out against the coaches last year in defense of Mac. I thought what Jacoby Myers did that night was what a leader does. And, and what a good teammate does. I, I, I don't like the way that whole quarterback situation against Chicago unfolded with Mac Jones clearly not 100% healthy, not playing well, get taken out of the game, the crowds reacting, the crowds rooting for, for Zappi, and I think Jacoby Myers felt like that was not fair to Mac Jones, and he said so. Yeah. And a lot of people believe that that's the main reason why Jacoby Myers is now with the Raiders. And if, if that's true, again, we have a lot of speculation on some of these things but if that's true i would agree that's the kind of stuff that maybe used to work 20 years ago but it's a little harder when you don't have a quarterback that's going to make it all all right we're going to take a break uh good time for everybody to hydrate uh when we come back is that an option for us yeah we'll have more calls more emails maybe we'll even take some questions from the crowd right here on patriots unfiltered Get in on the action with DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the New England Patriots. New customers can download the DraftKings app now and play free for millions in prizes using code PATS. That's code PATS, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. 
iPhone 15 Pro on Verizon. This holiday trade in any iPhone in any condition for the new iPhone 15 Pro with titanium, Apple TV 4K, and six months of Apple One. All on us with unlimited ultimate. Go to your local Verizon store now. Six months of Apple One, then $10 per month. $999.99 device payment or full retail purchase with new smartphone line on unlimited ultimate plan required. Less $1,000 trade-in slash promo credit applied over 36 months. Promo credit ends if eligibility requirements are no longer met. 0% APR. Apple TV 4K and Apple One offers require eligible phone purchase with activation on unlimited ultimate. Additional terms and conditions apply. Visit Verizon.com for details. When someone accidentally threw away the school play costumes... Oh, no. Replacements were shipped with FedEx. And with picture proof of delivery, everyone could focus on the perfect opening night. FedEx, where now meets next. For residential delivery only. Get in on the action with DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the New England Patriots. New customers can download the DraftKings app now and play free for millions in prizes using code PATS. That's code PATS, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details iPhone 15 Pro on Verizon. This holiday trade in any iPhone in any condition for the new iPhone 15 Pro with titanium, Apple TV 4K, and six months of Apple One. All on us with unlimited ultimate. Go to your local Verizon store now. Six months of Apple One, then $10 per month. $999.99 device payment or full retail purchase with new smartphone line on unlimited ultimate plan required. Less $1,000 trade-in slash promo credit applied over 36 months. Promo credit ends if eligibility requirements are no longer met. 0% APR. Apple TV 4K and Apple One offers require eligible phone purchase with activation on unlimited ultimate. Additional terms and conditions apply. Visit Verizon.com for details. When someone accidentally threw away the school play costumes... Oh, no. Replacements were shipped with FedEx. And with picture-proof of delivery, everyone could focus on the perfect opening night. FedEx, where now meets next. For residential delivery only. And now, great moments in... History. Remember we talked about doing that, Paul? while back. Yeah, taking get, the show on the get, road? Taking the show on the road with the RV. The PFW? Yeah. 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 Paul sounds so excited about that. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Is Three weeks in a bus with, with Eric. You, you guys, you guys <laughs> yeah. wouldn't get it on each other's nerves. No. That, would, that wouldn't happen. No. And especially they Andy want, was They want to strangle time. me as it is. Yeah. Imagine if we were together all the time. I told, you to take, I told you to take a right turn. No, I know where I'm going. Leave me alone. I know where I'm going. I've done why don't before. you stop and ask for directions? <laughs> I don't need I don't directions. Need... <laughs> and then Eric would be in the back like ironing yeah. his, his shirts and making sure they're perfectly folded and creased. Yeah. That's the show. That's the Another show. Another new sweater. Eric's like, we had an agreement. Number twos are being done at. McDonald's, <laughs> not in the RV. <laughs> oh, there's a McDonald's. Pull over. Yeah. <laughs> Fred's like, they My always God, like you. Fred with his newspaper <laughs> walking into McDonald's. My God, we're in Tennessee, and they know Fred here at this McDonald's, too. <laughs> Fred, you don't All need right. to go to McDonald's to go to the bathroom. We have one on the RV. <laughs> That's another great moment from... No. I, are you on? Where? Yes. Do you hear me? I hear Tamara. Don. Okay, we're ready to go now. All right, welcome back to Patriots Unfiltered. 855-PATS-500 is the ace ticket hotline. Web radio at patriots.com is the email address. And we're welcoming Tamara Brown to the set right now. Tamara is a part of our show back home. Uh, Tamara is, uh, explain what you do with the Patriots. Um, I do a lot. I can't hear myself, but hopefully you guys can hear me. We can hear you. Um, I'm a reporter, a content producer, um, help with social media. I do a little bit of everything. Other duties is this. Whatever my team needs, I'm happy to help with. But um, I've done a lot. Writing, everything. So you've been listening to this conversation. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Put me on the spot. So I think, first of all, I I, I agree with not firing Bill Belichick midseason. I think that his resume speaks for itself. He's done great things for this program. And I think that 
when it comes to what to do with him for next year, I agree that there needs to be a clean slate. Fresh head coach, a new quarterback would be great, and getting him some weapons, I think that that's the best way to move forward. I think whether it's Mac Jones going to a new program or not, I don't think that he has room here on this team. I think he's too broken, honestly, right now. Um, I think he deserves a fresh start like Trey Lance. Okay. And while you've been here in Germany, what have you been doing? I, I see if you, if you don't already, you need to follow all the Patriots social media accounts, Instagram, uh, X, Facebook, TikTok. Um, and I know you've been all over... I know you've been all over it uh, over the last couple of days. What have you been doing? So, Fred, you're actually going to laugh. So listening to that um, intro coming in from break where they were talking about McDonald's, Alex and I and Matisse went to McDonald's because we were like, we have to see what McDonald's is like in Germany. <laughs> and as we're coming out, Jason McCourty, former Patriot, he sees us and he's like, are you kidding me? You guys went to McDonald's? You're yeah. in Germany. I don't blame him. But the menu was different. There were curly fries at McDonald's. Can you oh, believe it? Okay. Curly fries. Curly fries. They had a whole different menu. So uh, we went to McDonald's. We have been around town. Um, we went to, it starts with an R. Can you pronounce it? No. No, I can't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, like Yannick pronounced it multiple Yannick. times, but it was the Rombra, I think. Am I saying it right? Can't remember, but it was a beautiful square. We got a lot of great pictures. We shot Patriots All Access there. Um, it's been great going around town. The Galleria, all the shopping, we went around there as well. So we've been getting our rounds, getting our steps in. Okay. Five all Guys right. menu is exactly the same for what it's worth. Did it all taste the same? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> all right. Yeah, again, 855-PATS-500. It's the Ace Ticket Hotline. Tamara's going to stick with us here. So if you have any particular questions for her, because uh, she's just joining us now, let's get back to the phones. We'll go to Patty in Agawam. Guten Morgen, mein deutschen Bruder in Schwestern. Und Prost. Hey, Patty. Are you Russian or German? I don't know. <laughs> I was German. Uh, anyway, uh, so Mike, no Mike, one, Mike, by the way, Patty, here, no one's here is laughing. Not one person. <laughs> uh, it's all right. Uh, I, was, I was just morning to my German brothers and sisters, and hello to you guys, and cheers. Um, my question for you guys for the panel today is, with uh, this depleted wide receiver core, can we make plays in the passing game against the Colts defense? Against the Colts, yeah. Okay, thanks for the call. I think it's a, I mean, a good question because I talked about Kenny Moore earlier and I mentioned Pop Douglas too. So those are two guys that, you know, very well growing, going up against each other. So, you know, it might come down to, I hate to say it, but Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, you gave this guy a three-year deal. You've got injuries. It's time to step up. You know, this team really badly needs a win. Show us why they, they went out and got you. I mean, you know, especially coming off that fourth down play, uh, you know, where he, where he had the drop. I guess we can call it a drop. Um, it just it's, it hasn't been good enough with Juju. He's been a frustrating player this year. And I think, you know, you went out and signed him. Let's, let's see why. Devontae Parker, I know, has been at practice. He's still dealing with concussion issues. So they, they've got a lot of questions, and we obviously know Bourne is, is out. I'm going to go with Pop Douglas. I think his workload has increased over the weeks, whether it be through injuries or whether it being he's redeemed himself, I think, from that, from that fumble earlier on in the season. I think he's a big playmaker. He's super dynamic. Um, and I think that the Colts are going to be looking for this Patriots offense to be predictable. I think he is that one person that you can't always predict what's going to happen because he has those moves that, and he's able to get open and, and get a few more yards on the play. So I'm thinking it's going to be a big one for him. I, I, we got to get more out of Mike Kosicki. Yes. I mean, he, I know he had the, the, the catch, you know, that won that one game. But 
we've got to get more out of him, you know? Or what, about, or what about Farrell Brown? Every time well, he yeah. gets the ball, he makes well, a big play. Well, with Farrell Brown, I feel anything that we get out of him is a bonus. Oh, I, yeah. I, I have no complaints with Farrell <laughs> Brown. But I think Mike Kosicki, and, you know, Hunter Henry's been okay. But, you know, the tight end position in general, I think we need to get a little bit more production out, out of the tight ends. Yeah, well, that you was, know? you know, one of the plays that was highlighted, you know, on the Internet this week was Mike Kosicki wide open up the seam. So, I, absolutely. And, you know, I mentioned Juju and him. I mean, these are two big pieces that you brought in. I think we were all kind of just expecting, though, Bill O'Brien was the key piece, you know, that that was the one that was going to take all this, all these ingredients and put it together and, and make a nice meal. But, you know, it's, it's, I agree. I mean, Bill called him, you know, he's basically like our third or fourth wide receiver right now. Yeah. So he, he's got to be more productive. Jalen Rager, he's been playing a bunch. He hasn't been productive either. So I, I don't really care who it is. They just got to find a way to play. Well, I like, I, the, I, I like Tamara's idea of, of Douglas because of the defense they're playing. You know, with the, you know, the crossing routes and, uh, you know, we talked about Stevenson before the break. I like those kinds of options underneath, getting the, uh, the zone defenses crossing, see if you can get some, some mismatches, some natural rub routes, Mike. We don't like to call them picks, Mike. <laughs> You're beyond me, Paul. We don't like to call me. them picks. We call them rub routes. Rub routes. And, so. I, and I think um, Paul has brought this up, I think, every single week, and it was his key to the game multiple weeks. Run the dang ball. <laughs> I'm never pa- right, though. <laughs> if the Patriots can get back to their bread and butter of running the football, I think that could open up a lot of things for the wide receivers and tight ends as well. I, I well, they had that one run last week. With we need Ramon. more than one. Now. I know, I know. <laughs> but 64-yard run, that was yeah. nice to see. Well, yeah. and he's yeah. also been breaking some tackles, too, which I think is just a sign of the old Ramondre. You know, last year, the offense was in similar disarray, but he was able to get you yards. He'd get hit in the backfield. He'd spin out of it. You know, somehow he'd get you four or five yards. Those plays haven't really been there this year, but I think the last couple of weeks they have been. They've started, you know, you're starting to see Ramondre get a little loose, shake, shake some tackles, and hopefully, and with the big run last week, we'd love to see more of those. Yeah, can, can we see? This is how captivating we are right here. Number 10 in the last row. Was <laughs> it 10? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a bread? It looks like a 12, Fred. <laughs> I was, uh, it's probably was, a 12, Paul. No, hey, I was told there'd Fred, be no math. Fred, maybe it's just jet lag, you know? <laughs> yeah. Patriots fans coming over, taking I, the red I, eye. I feel the pain. <laughs> but I, I, during the break I was coming in, a fan stopped me, and he said, Matt Jones can do this. we just got to get him some help. We've got to get him, you know, uh, an old line that can block, and we've got to get him one or two wide receivers. And he was pointing out, you know, Josh Allen when he got Stephon Diggs and Burrow, you know, with his receivers, and Tua with his receivers. You know, these guys have, like, two receivers that they can go to, and he feels that Mac doesn't even really have one. And he thinks that, given the pieces, Mac could turn this thing around. But I feel like my one thing with that is I feel like a lot of offensive lines around the league are pretty bad. I mean, if you look at Joe Burrow, he made it all the way to a Super Bowl with a bad offensive line. So I think it's more the tools in the tool belt. Like, I think when you look at Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, they have the ability to have a big arm, and also they have the legs as well, yeah. the athleticism. So yeah. I think that it's a little bit of both. Yeah. His tools in the tool belt, his weapons, yeah. um, there's a lot of things to point the finger at. I'm not really sure how much it would change with his weapons. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, just make the plays that are there. You know, like, that's a starting point. Like, let's not come out of a game – with, you know, 27 different amateur film breakdowns of look at this guy, look at this yeah. guy, you know, get, get over. Evan's not on the show oh, anymore. Sorry, right. well, but, but, no, Tamara, you mentioned, you said the word broken. <laughs> you know, like, at, at, you know, is it beyond repair? And sometimes, you know, we've seen it with other quarterbacks in the history of the NFL that they just get off to the wrong foot in their yeah. career and they're on a bad team and they get beat up, you know, and they just never recover. Yeah. They never, you know achieve the potential that people thought they had coming out of college 
because of the start that they had. Now, you could also argue, well, they probably weren't going to be that good anyway. But, and but I think I you're think in that camp. Well, it's, it's tough to, yeah, it's tough to make that determination, but you're right. Yeah, yeah I, I just don't know any other quarterbacks that have been dealt the hand that he had in terms of, like, the defensive coordinator being as an offensive coordinator, you know, right. well, having multiple coordinators. Kind of unprecedented. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then just, you know, being on a team that's in the middle of a rebuilding stage already with a lack of pieces all around him. So I think that just the hand he was dealt was tough, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if maybe he can overcome it. Obviously, it's been a couple of years now, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's like a philosophical question of, you know, how do you get a quarterback back on track? You know, and I think, you know, Mac, we, we can talk about Mac's rookie year and, you know, what it was, what it wasn't. But I think that he was at least in rhythm with the offense, and he knew what he was doing. And, you know, how do you get him back to that point? Because a lot of these plays you're watching over the last few weeks, it doesn't look like a quarterback who's, you know, in rhythm with the offense. And, you know, I, I don't know. You guys have, have been watching a lot more football than I have, uh, you know, long-term. But who are those quarterbacks? You know, does it require having to go to a different team and, you know, be reset with a new offense and kind of just a clean slate? Because I felt yeah. like he was kind of getting that this year. I with do Bill think, Bryant. you know, all of those things are case-by-case basis. And you could make arguments, and you look at a guy like Geno Smith. Yeah, who, that's a good one, Paul. You know, never really sort of panned out with the Jets and, you know, bounced around a little bit. And then he goes to Seattle. He's the, the backup quarterback for a while, and then Russell Wilson leaves, he gets a chance, and he was competent. He played, he played reasonably well, led the team to the playoffs, and, you know, it looks like, you know, there was some talent there all along. You know, could that happen with Mac Jones? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, how do you know um, unless, you know, it, it all unfolds and he gets that opportunity? But I, I kind of look at it, and, and I think all of the excuses for Mac Jones are valid. You know, the offensive line hasn't played great. They haven't been able to run the ball. They haven't had the, you know, the star playmakers and receivers. And, and I think all of that can be true. And Mac Jones hasn't played well, right. not handled all of those things well. And for me, it's, it's a lot less. I know a lot of people fixate on the skill set. And I do too. I'm not saying that I don't. But like the, the arm strength and all that is relevant. But to me, the bigger thing is I want to see him sort of take the offense as his own yeah. and become a leader and sort of embrace the coaching that he's getting instead of sort of worrying about what he's not getting. Yeah. And I feel like there hasn't been enough I, You know, and I hate to say it, like right now, I just don't see the signs that if he had those things, he could do something mm-hmm. with them. You know, right? Yeah, he'd like, be better, but I don't know if well, he'd be the guy that you would right, want. But you, if, if that was the case, you'd be seeing signs of it now, like, oh, wow, he's really making, you know, we call it uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit. Right, um, like he, he, I, I can do that. I'm in, I'm Shice. in Europe. Um, <laughs> oh We're a little bit looser with yeah. FCC regulations. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like he would be doing things that you would say, okay, he's doing things without that. Man, if we just gave him that, but I'm not seeing those signs, and that's that's what f- it's frustrating me when it comes to Matt. Fred, Fred yeah. when you, what was so different about the Bills game? Like, I feel like we saw a different map in Just that, that last drive. I mean, I think it was, you know... It was, it's a it good was a, question. It like, was a handful of plays. I, yeah. you know, I don't think it was like the can whole I be, game was... Can I be really honest? Go ahead, Paul. They got 40 yards on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what Paul does, guys. They got he 40 yards on the screen He grounds pass. the show like that. He brings well, but, us back to reality. But to be fair, okay, so that got them, you know, to like the 30-yard line. They still had to get it in the no, end zone. No, and the throw yeah, was but I, to Hunter But, Henry but to me, and, the hard part was yeah. done because now all the pressure's off. You're in field goal range. And now you're, you're just going to squeeze it down there. They got a couple of penalties. He threw a good ball yeah, to Hunter Henry. Henry. Yeah. Listen, I, I've said this many times. I think he's good enough to, his skill set is good enough to win games. I don't know if you can win it all with him, but he's, he should be better than this. Yeah. They're not a, he's not a yeah. two and seven quarterback in terms of his skills. It should be better than that. 
But I, I also look at the Bills game, and we were all on, in agreement. He was great. I thought he played great in the fourth quarter. The two drives, not just the one, two touchdown drives. But at this point, after three years, that to me is, is a one-off. Yeah. It, it, that was the exception, not the rule. And, you know, the other thing that kind of just threw everybody kind of for a loop this year was you looked at the season and said, okay, the floor. We have a thing we call the floor and the ceiling. The floor is the worst you can be, and the ceiling is as good as you can be. And we said, you know, probably the floor is seven or eight losses, you know, because you got the greatest coach in, in history, and he'll keep you from going below that, below that floor. And here we are at two and seven. In ten and seven, still in play, Freddie. Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it is. I have to admit, but but that's something that surprised us. We figured that just having Bill Belichick would would win us some games. And right now, that's not even happening. Uh, so uh, Ian from the UK writes in at webradio at patriots.com, and he says, why does Bill want to beat Shula's win record apart from he might have a grudge against him? Uh, would you rather have six rings and nine overall and not get the total wins or be Shula and have the total wins and only two rings? Bill will be remembered for the rings, not the wins. I, I agree with that. I mean, well, I think you well, can why make can't you have both? In, in, <laughs> wasn't, that, wasn't that Teddy Bruschi's passionate speech on ESPN a few weeks ago? Like, I, no one really doubts that he's a great coach and that, you know, a lot of people think he's far better than Don Shula ever was. was. So I, I would agree with that sentiment, but obviously if you have a chance and you're that close to win more games as a coach than anybody else ever did. I, I, I can understand why that means a lot to him. Yeah, yep. so close. You've come so far. You, you can see why he wants to finish it. But I also think that it's just something that's kind of hung over this whole argument about what to do with Bill and, you know, well, but the record, the record. I would you know, hope like, that doesn't always, factor right, in, like it to sh- be honest it shouldn't, with you. Yeah. It shouldn't factor in. You know, it's, it's great for Bill. How much does it really mean for the fans? I, I don't know. All right. Um, you guys want to ask some questions? Anybody have questions? Oh, yeah. One person nodding. All right. Everybody else nodding off. Should, should, we, should we open it up to people asking questions? Do you want to do that? Okay. Uh, number 10, what's your question? I think it's 12. Okay. Not, All right. I'm just saying. He's out. We have a question in the front row. When is he going to oh, play? Okay, so that's a good weekend, question. This weekend, maybe, but maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's a good question. I mean, yeah. I'll let Tamara jump in, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question. So yeah. when, when, the, we do, yeah. when we do the show regularly, Fred said it at the beginning of the show, when we do it regularly, a lot of times we talk pretty open and we just kind of throw stuff around and not necessarily stuff that we know. But we kind of look at the reports this week about J.C. Jackson and Jack Jones not getting back to the hotel in time before the Washington game. And I go back to last Friday when Bill Belichick told us in his press conference that that was the best week of practice that Kayshawn Booty had. Two days later, he's inactive. A couple of guys were late. Might not anybody know that <laughs> Kayshawn Booty was too? I don't know. It just didn't make any sense that they were so high on his week of practice. They were short at, at wide receiver without uh, Kendrick Bourne and Devontae Parker. All signs seemed to point toward Booty's going to play this week. And then he didn't. So I don't know if it was just because they felt like the roster needed more help somewhere else or if it was something else. Yeah, and, you know, not every people can change, but... Coming out of college, Booty had some red flags, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, that's why he was drafted so low. He didn't want to let he, anybody get by you. I mean, oh he was one God. of the top recruits. <laughs> in. He was one of the top recruits in the country coming out of high school. Um, and people thought that he was, you know, maybe second-round talent. 
I think some oh, people... Well, after the one year... After he had that yeah. game against, I think it was yeah. Ole Miss as a freshman, I think well, people thought he might be a first-round pick. Right. Um, so his off-field behavior made him available later in the draft, and that could be something that's rearing its head now. Right. Let's, let's hope not. Let's hope he understands that he could have a, a very good future in the NFL and gets it together. But I, I go back to what I said when we started. Who are the people in the locker room policing these guys? Who, who are, you know, who's taking Keishon Booty by the helmet and saying, hey, dude, you know, smarten up, you know, get with the program. You can be a great player in this league, but you've got to do it the right way. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but somebody's got to step up, right? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say, too, like, you know, we watch all the training camps. So we do live broadcast during training camp. We're up on the side of the stadium. We get the L22 view, Evan. Loves it. Can't get enough of the, the side of the stadium view. Yeah. He's watching it right now on his phone. Yeah. Booty didn't do a lot this summer. You know, he had a good third game uh, in, in the preseason, and, and he had that touchdown run, and it was, it was, wow, great. But for all of us who watched every single one of those training camp practices and all the joint practices too, he's okay. You know, so it's like, and, and, and like, look, I get it. We're at the point now where it's like, here's a rookie that hasn't played since week one. Right. Get him in there. Let's see what we got. I think we can all agree on that. But it's just, you know, is, what is the expectation level of what this player actually is? And by is? comparison, we did see Demario Douglas every day mm-hmm. in training camp. He was making plays every single day, and now he has a little bit of a role. And, uh, you know, I, I agree with Mike. There were spots here and there where you'd see Booty make a catch or, you know, the, the preseason game that you're talking about, good slant, catch and run after the catch. There's talent there, obviously, but we didn't see it as consistently with him as we did with Douglas. And, you know, I, I think that's shown up. And one thing we can all agree on, you know, back home, there's a narrative that he's not playing because he didn't get his foot inbounds on that last fourth down play in the opener against Bill. That's not why. You know, Bill Belichick doesn't have a guy in his doghouse because he couldn't get two feet inbounds on one particular play in his first game of his career. So now maybe there's, if he fumbled, there's more, <laughs> there's more, there's more Good involved than, than just that. But don't, don't, don't take shots. Okay. <laughs> All right. Any, any other I'm questions? Swearing, he's taking Question shots. Question, third row. Uh, yeah. Everybody's talking about uh, Bill Belichick and how bad he is and stuff like that. But he always talks also about the team, about the people that around him. So is it the problem that Yeah. Yeah. Brain drain. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Part of it we, too. And Mike mentioned it. We call it brain drain. Yeah. You know, the, the guys that the good coaches, they get good and then the other teams take them and give them promotions. And it, they, you know, let's let's go down the list. They, they lost Dante. Ernie Adams retired. He wasn't a coach, but he was an advisor. Uh, you know, Nick Casario left. He was a GM. He wasn't really the GM for the Pages, but he went to become a GM um, with Josh another McDaniels. team. Josh McDaniels left, who was the, you know, so that's, that's a, a valid um, question. Uh, like, how, how much can you lose 
and still keep up the quality of the people around you. Yeah, I, yeah. I you mentioned the offensive line too. I mean, the last four years, I think they've had four different combinations. I mean, you know, this year you, you bring in Adrian yeah. Clem to hopefully settle things down. But I mean, since Dante has left, it's been kind of a rotating, you know, whatever you want to call it, circle of, you know, just coaches coming in, different techniques, different styles. And last year with Matty P trying to do the offensive line and the offensive coordinating, which again, to go back to training camp when we're watching it, He's like coordinating the offense, and he's got to run to the offensive line, and he's coming back. You know, you could just tell from that, like, it look, this doesn't look like it's going to work, you know, early on from our perspective. Yeah, so we could talk about all those big names, but then there, there are guys like Matt Patricia that he's talking about. Brian Flores was, was sort of the de facto defensive coordinator and that they had a lot of success with, and, you know, he left to take a job. So over the last five, five to seven years, they've lost a lot of coaches off the staff um, and you brought up the, bringing up the offensive line, you know, Carmen Brasile. Like, it's not just Dante Skarnecki who's been gone a while now, but it's even the guys that replaced the guys are, are now go- going. So yeah. there have been a lot of, lot of guys leaving. But here's the thing. In, you know, one of Bill's qualities is that he's very loyal to people, uh, and he expects the loyalty back. But I think that quality hurts him when it comes to hiring coaches. He only wants to hire coaches that either he has experience with or he, the person that is recommending them is someone that is kind of in his circle of trust. And I think sometimes that limits the pool of coaches that he has to choose from. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's kind of hurt him over the years. I like that, Fred, because I was just going to say, I feel like the NFL has just changed so much especially with the style of the quarterback play now. And I know Bill's a big defensive guy. I feel like the quarterback has changed. I feel like their guys are so much faster. And there's a lot of dual-threat quarterbacks out there now. And I feel like when you have the league changing so much, you do need to bring in some fresh minds. I mean, look at Mike McDaniel. I feel like what he's done with Miami, like I know people make jokes all the time. He looks like, you know, a science teacher or an analyst or something. It's true. There are just so many different types of coaches out there. And why would you not want to bring in one of those unique, um, you know, pieces that yeah. could really change your program for the better? Absolutely. Ryan in Missouri writes in. He says, uh, question I have is why is Bill's coaching tree so unsuccessful mm-hmm. when it comes to head coaching? I know they're good offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators, but why have they not blossomed into head coaches. Yeah, that's I mean, it's a great a, question. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, you know, Bill O'Brien did have some success, you know, with the Texans and, you know, Romeo Cornell ha- had success. I mean, it's, you know, it's not totally barren, but a lot of the new guys, I mean, look, Josh McDaniels, we just saw what, what happened with him. It's, you know, I, I just, I mean, Paul, you got a, a, a pretty good take on this one of, you know, is this really a, a, a bad reflection on oh. Bill? Yeah. You know, necessarily that everyone wants to make it out. Well, he must not be as good of a coach because no, none of his coaches went on. I, I, don't, yeah, I, just I go don't the know. other way and I say maybe Bill's a better coach than all those other guys because they, they obviously weren't great without him. <laughs> so they, they were able to do it. Now, I, I know it's a very simplistic way of looking at it, but you do wonder how much of it gets back to, to Tom Brady. And, you know, and those guys got Remember jobs. Remember him? But, you know, those guys got jobs, because, you know, Josh McDaniels and, 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 all, and the, then the one guy who had some success is Bill O'Brien. And he's the one guy out of all those guys that really wasn't like born and nurtured in the New England system. He was already, yeah. a, a, you know, an established offensive coordinator at the high college level when he came to the NFL with Bill. So I, I don't think he was sort of, you know, fostered under that. He wasn't a creation of Brady. Yep. Uh, let's see. This is Sean, and he writes in from Maine. Sean. Um, he says, I have never lost faith in Bill. I've lost faith in Mac. Mm-hmm. 
I knew he was not the guy halfway through last season. I wanted to cut bait and, and draft a quarterback this last draft. We should keep drafting quarterbacks until we get a winner. On the topic of an offensive genius, coaches, and weapon, and Evan, you could just shake your head yes or no, does Evan think of Sean Payton as one of those coaches? If so, how come the Broncos are not better with a supposed weapon like Jerry Judy to help Russ? <laughs> do, so do you think that Sean Payton is one of those offensive-minded coaches? Yeah. Don't talk, just not. <laughs> Evan thinks, so Evan thinks Russell Wilson is washed. I, I, would, I, I would sort of agree with him on that. I think Russell Wilson is a shell of his former self. Um, but I also wonder just how much, you know, we, we, we're really close to the situation in New England. How much was Sean Payton all about Drew Brees and, in that environment, that controlled environment yeah. in the Dome. Totally different in Denver, right? Yeah. Well, they only play I mean, at home, right? That's the thing about, that's why I love American football so much. To me, it's the ultimate team sport. You can get into the Hall of Fame in American football and not even have any stats. Those are offensive linemen. They get in just because they block. Um, there's no other sport like that where you have 11 guys all doing something completely different for the most part. Uh, and if one guy screws up, it can screw up the whole play. Um, and it's, it's kind of the same thing that we're talking about when it comes to, you know, why were the Patriots great? Of course Tom Brady was the main reason. We all know that now. But I don't think he would have been as great without Bill Belichick. And he wouldn't have been as great without Rob Gronkowski and Teddy Bruschi. And let's just start naming these, yeah. these players. That's why football's great. But you have to have that, that combination of coach-quarterback is so key in the NFL. You, you, you talk about any of the great teams and... They seem to have that really good coach and really good quarterback. Yeah, it's just the length of time, too. I mean, I think that's what's, you know, unique about really having almost two separate dynasties of, of three Super Bowls. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. Again, the draft is kind of my thing. But, you know, it's just what would have happened if Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman didn't come out of those years? The, the, the Chandler-Jones, uh, I, I Chandlered it. <laughs> it's Chandler. I had Chandler here in Jeremy. I, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, Dante Hightower. You know, they found those star players. And I think that's when you talk about how we got to this point is that, as Gronk and Edelman started to fade out in the late 2010s, they didn't really hit those picks in the draft. And you didn't, you know, Nikhil Harry did not become the player that they needed him to become. Sony Michelle did, you know, although had, was a key part of a Super Bowl run, did not become, you know, a, a first down worthy running back who could do it all and, and really threaten defenses in a number of ways. And, you know, I, I just, again, just my philosophy is that all, so much of this is just tied to those draft pick misses. Okay. Um, let's see, Joe in Leamington okay. Spa, UK. Okay. <laughs> let's go. Um, All he right. says, uh, just to start, he says, the Byron shirt is getting hate because Byron has won the last 11 league titles by buying the best players from the other Bundesliga teams, so they all dislike Byron a fair bit. Is that true? <laughs> That's not true? It's, I, yes, no, okay. Like like, we got a definitive no and a definitive yes. Speaking from the Patriots. You're rooting for the Yankees, Fred. Congrats. <laughs> speaking for the Patriots, we could use a little bit of buying the best players these days, right? That, oh, that's not yeah. a bad idea. Anyway, in my opinion, Bill is not going to be the head coach next season. Too many things count against him, talent management, buy-in, drafting, but firing him midseason would be disrespectful for all the time and success during his tenure. I think we all I really kind of, agree with we that. We agree with that. If that disrespect extends to firing him on Black Monday, then how about this for an idea? Announce before the last game against the Jets that an agreement has been reached. The Jets will be Bill's last game in charge. Then you can have the whole build-up and ceremony around the game 
in a full oh. game, hopefully a win, to celebrate the greatest coach of all time. No way. <laughs> no way. No, no way. way because of this. Like, I'll say, like, look, this has been, like, kind of a tough season. You know, look, they're 2-7. and seven. There was nothing like Bill Belichick during Jets week. Like, Jets week, he is laser-focused. Oh, yeah. He wants to win that Bill game hates the more Jets. than anything hates else them. in the entire universe. So, like, no matter how the rest of the season goes, like, tune into that game. Because especially if the Jets are trying to make it into the playoffs, like I promise you, the Patriots could be two and what I know, two and fifteen or two and fourteen at that point. He, everything he has will go into that game, and he will not let them do a whole pomp and circumstance ceremony for him as he's getting ready to play that like team. The idea. Yeah. <laughs> that that game might be wild simply for the fact that Aaron Rodgers is allegedly coming back. That would be something because as people don't know, the Patriots have beaten the Jets fifteen straight mm-hmm. times. 16. 16, 16 now. Times. So if they beat them this year, they break the record for most consecutive wins against one team, right? Oh, my goodness. I, Is that I, true? I'm not I sure think about so. that stat yet. That's wild. I think so. Let me check that. Do I'm we have get, a stats I'm person? not sure. Well, only there was a way we could look that up. At least it might be the existing record that, you know, like mm-hmm. ongoing it's record a lot. or something. Like. But anyway, it's, it's 17 straight wins against a team is huge, and you don't want to break that string. So you have to beat the Jets. You know, but like you said, Tamara, if Aaron Rodgers is playing, yeah, it's going to be a, that's going to be wild. That's, like it's going to be playoffs. wild because I think that the Jets' defense is so good, and the only thing that they've been missing is a serviceable quarterback. Yeah. And sorry if there are any Zach Wilson fans in here, but he's not it, Don't and no. never has been it. You're the Patriots, probably. Oh, <laughs> they're just they're just yeah. not good. There was an Aaron Rodgers jersey here earlier. Are you kidding? Oh, yeah. There was an Aaron Rodgers oh, yeah. guy. Yeah. Packers. Yeah. A- any other questions? <laughs> questions? We had a question in the back. Yes. Yeah, we can hear yes. you. Saying the offensive line has been a major issue. So last two games, it's been a little better. So do you, do you think there can be an improvement in the type of plays that are called? Mm. Okay. Yeah. So he's talking about the offensive line has been a problem all year, but it's been a little bit better the last couple of weeks. And, you know, there are things that they can do to make that even better in terms of play calling. Yeah. Right? So well, how do you feel about that? I mean, yes and no. I mean, obviously, throw, you know, to trying to chuck the ball downfield and, you know, make, let Mac hold up on, you know, big seven-step drops, it's, it's probably – not a great key. Uh, you know, ideally, you'd love to have just short passing game, and I think we've been you know, kind of hammering that for most of the season, talking about that. That's the way you make up for an offensive line. I also think may, uh, run the ball. Run the ball. Run yeah. the dang, but, run but, the dang but, ball. But, you know, you talk about are, are these the right plays, and you look at the scoreboard, and you look at the stats, you say, well, no, they're not, they're not working. But if you watch the game, they're plays that are there to be had. Yeah. And Bill even said it, or at least alluded to it in his press conference, like, there were, there were opportunities there. And whether they were drop balls or missed passes or missed blocks or, or whatever, the pl- it's not the play. It's the execution. Mm-hmm. I think the play calling is fine. I think they're just not executing. And every time it's something different. It's a penalty. It's a missed throw. It's a guy running a wrong route. It, you know, you can only get down to the basics so much, you know, the Patriots have been easy to defend for too long. We've got to do something to, to break that. And so I, I don't look at the play calling in Bill O'Brien as the problem. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if anyone agrees. No, I mean, it, it's never going to be perfect, and there's always going to be plays that you can nitpick. Sure. But, but yeah, I, I would agree largely that 
it's not about the plays that they're calling. It's about the execution. Yeah. And the talent of the guys that are trying to execute. Yep. Uh, let's go to the phones, and we'll go to Todd in North Carolina. Hey, Todd. Sorry, guys. I'm in the car, but it's, I've got a really interesting thing going on from listening to your discussion. You guys are talking about, you know, who's the guy in the locker room that's the leaders that's keep everything going, you know, who's, who's the man that's going to take that, who's in Bill's ear to help him get through things, who's on the coaching staff. Uh, okay. We lost <laughs> Okay. So, Thanks, Todd. He's kind of reiterating what I said before, wondering who are those people. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's Matthew Slater, it's David Andrews, it's, it's the guys from the old guard, you know, and I think when you look at Kyle Duggar being a free agent, it's, it's who are the new guys, who are the young guys that are going to pick up the mantle and take it. You lost Devin McCourty last year, you know, just one of the all-time great Patriots, great leaders. Uh, you know, I think we're seeing some of the growing pains the last couple of weeks with all the big plays that they've been giving up without Devin McCourty there on the back end. So I, I think that's part of this, like, coming off season is setting that trajectory. I'm, you know, Matthew Slater, good chance. He, he might retire at the end of this year. He's been doing it forever. Um, you know, David Andrews certainly closer to the end. So they, they have to find those guys. They have to find that next wave of, you know, players who are going to do it their own way. And, you know, I think in a way, Slater, McCourty, those guys are in a tough position. They were, the, they were the ones charged with carrying the torch post-Tom Brady, as we know now, maybe a mere, near impossible task to, you know, continue that kind of level of discipline. And, and, you know, Brady himself was the standard bearer. He was the one who's, you know, first one in, last guy to leave, all that stuff. So it's just, it's, it's, it's hard right now. And you hope that the team this offseason is going to say, you know, hey, Kyle Duggar, you have some warts, you know, he's not a perfect player, but... You know, this is a guy that we want to invest in and really show the rest of the team this is a guy that, you know, is going to be around for a while yeah. and that you should listen to. I mean, we're getting to the point in the, on the Patriots team where the only person who has had Super Bowl success is Bill. Yeah. You know, Matthew Slater, this could be his last season, and those guys are leaving. And so yeah. Andrews he, still is. Dietrich Wise is another Dietrich name. Wise. Yeah. Been Juwan around. Bentley Juwan was Bentley. on uh, the 18 team. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, but there's not it, many, though. There's not many, and they all seem to be on the defensive side of the ball. Yep. You know, except for Andrews, and, you know, he's getting up there, too. So, you know, who are the voices, and what credibility do they have? And when you have a young team, then you need a strong coaching staff. Remember when Bill first came here? One of the first things he did in 2000 is he hired Romeo Cornell and Charlie Weiss and, and guys that, you know, had been around the block a little bit, and he brought them into the team, and, you know, because he knew that, you know, he had a team full of guys who hadn't won. Um, and we get back to the brain drain. That's, that's an issue. That's yeah. an issue. Yeah. Who, who are the coaches? We should talk to Fred about just, you know, this offseason, like, no tight ends under contract, no tackles under contract. You know, you, you have basically Ramondre Stevenson is your only running back. Um, there's an opportunity, I think, you know, regardless of what happens, coaching changes, quarterback changes. Whatever happens next year, they have the opportunity to, and we've met cap space too. They got, they got some money to spend, theoretically. Um, they have an opportunity to change things dynamically this offseason. Okay. Uh, let's go to Harry in Connecticut. What's up, Harry? Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Uh, first time caller, I just want to thank you guys for uh, all the work that you do. Um, I just wanted to uh, ask what your guys' top 10 Patriots running backs of all time are. Oh, Ooh, all right. Top 10? Yeah. You got to go down 10? Oh, I don't know. I'll give you my all one. Right, thanks, Harry. My one is Curtis Martin. Yeah, Curtis Martin oh. was, yeah, he was great. Gone yeah. too soon. Yeah. Uh, um, he's still with us, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Not if he's off the Patriots. They're dead to me. Uh, 
It's a good question because really it's been a position that um, it's just had an interesting role within. I mean, you know, is, is it wrong to say Kevin Falk? You know, like no, a guy who just not was, at all. You know, reliable in big situations. He's probably in the and, top ten. You know, wasn't yeah. uh, what was you know wasn't one of those you know three two thousand yard run, rushing or anything yeah. like that. But good Corey player. Dillon. Uh, I like this question a lot because I feel like a lot of people have been saying that the Patriots' offense has not been finding success because they're missing that third down back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, you know, this year everyone's like, oh, we need James White, we need James White. And I'm like, is it just the third down back that could really change the trajectory yeah. of this yeah. offense? Well, James White's probably in the in the conversation just for that 28-3 game alone, Yeah. right? Right. I mean, Super Bowl championship. Yeah. Um, what about – what about, um, Tony Collins. Oh, we got an old school. Yeah, now. Sam Cunningham. If you want to go, yeah. you know, back in the day, would be on my list. Seventy-six. Yeah. Where's Matt Smith? Over there. <laughs> we got Hor- Horace Ivory. <laughs> Sam Bam Cunningham. How did I dismiss him? I just brought him up. <laughs> I didn't. I was not dismissive. Yeah. Uh, no, I would. Th- those those are the guys that I would lean to. And and the third down backs to me are a little different. They are back, so they all count. And I would certainly have Shane Vereen, James White, Kevin Falk. Great, great Patriots. Yeah, all, all three. Yep. Tony uh, Collins was a yeah. great Patriot too. There Good was nothing back. quite like Curtis Martin though. Those first Curtis couple Martin years was where, my favorite. I mean, that was you know. I mean, so many people might be newer Patriots fans, but that was a that was a heartbreaking situation. You felt like you had an all-star running back, an absolute stud. And, and Bill Parcells came and, and stole him from you, it's, uh, and, and then played you twice yeah. a year with him. You after, know what? after three years of a Hall of Fame, he was going to the Hall of Fame, and that's where he wound up. And you got him for the first three years, and yeah, then he went to the Hall of Fame with the Jets. A guy who I really like, but his career was kind of short-lived with the Patriots, was John Stevens. I thought he had potential. John but Stevens was a good player. Yeah, he, he was um, a really good player. He he's the guy that um, hit uh, the Jet right. No, the 49er. Oh, the 49er. It was Jeff, Jeff Fuller. Jeff Fuller, and Jeff Fuller got paralyzed from John Stevens running the ball into him. Well, and he was uh, never the same. I don't think John Stevens, yeah, I don't think he was ever the same after that. Um, he didn't run as hard. Um, that's football. Yeah. You know, that, that stuff happens. Marion Butts. I was just going to say Marion Butts, one of the worst all-time <laughs> Patriots right now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do the worst ones. No, yeah. those, those are easier. <laughs> yeah, Marion Butts was uh, three yards in a cloud of dust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those yeah. Derek days. colors. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, American football, running backs used to get drafted, like, first or second in the draft. You were a great running back in college. You would go high. And the position has changed lately, like, over the last – 20 years, I'd say, yeah. 15, 20 years, where running backs aren't as valued as wide receivers. Uh, and, you know, the life of a running back on a team, they rarely get that second contract. Yeah. It's, it's not as valuable a position if, as if, it used to be. If you just look at B. John Robinson right now, you know, who's just, I mean, first couple of weeks just looks so good and, you know, having trouble now really getting carries. And it's a, it's a fickle position. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to... to Pick one of those guys, I mean, with the Sony Michelle yeah. thing, you know, you invest and then it, it's not a long shelf life. I feel like right now it's like the only one I really see getting like the bank for his buck is like Christian McCaffrey. But it's, again, it's like but how long hurt, until he right? gets injured? Yeah. All right. Any other questions before we're going to wrap up the show in a few minutes? So oh. if you have uh, any question back there, yep. Yeah, that's yep. a, it's a good question. So the so, question's about picking up the fifth-year yeah, option well, for he, Mac Jones. Yeah, if Mac Jones plays better and 
you know, do you pick up that fifth-year option? And yes, yeah. would be my answer. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's very affordable, and that's yeah. why my answer would be yes. Yeah. But the, the real question is, do you pick up the fifth-year option and still – yeah. Pick a quarterback if one becomes yeah. available. Always. I, I mean, it's I would still pick one simply yeah. because they don't seem to be not fond of Bailey Zappi, but they were okay with losing him. <laughs> they cut him obviously over the summer, and they were able to sign him back to the practice squad. But it seems like they could be in the running for a backup quarterback if right. they were in place to get one. And, and somehow, like Will Greer has just been the practice squad guy, but somehow, like, did you give Will Greer a shot? You know, people are you know, speculating of that, but I just think, you know, to Paul's point. The fifth-year option is pretty affordable, and it's just good business to always take a quarterback, you know, and, and especially right now because coming into the season, you felt like you've got Bailey Zappi, who is a potentially good backup quarterback. I mean, coming into this year, I, I don't know anybody really was that down on him, and, and, you know, then they cut him. It was like, yeah. oh, my gosh, what is going on? They cut Bailey Zappi. How could that happen? And since then, it's, it's been really hard for him. They had the, the week where he was out for Malik Cunningham. Um, so all the signs are pointing to they're not thrilled with their quarterback situation right now. Um, I, I think Mac is in some ways probably in the second half you're playing for that fifth-year option. But he has to play better. To, yeah. you know, I know that's what you said in your, yeah. in your question. He would have to play a lot better than he has. Yeah. Any other questions? Last question. Anyone? Doesn't even have to be about football. <laughs> right oh, over here, Freddie. Right in the, the middle. Back. Where? <laughs> Will no. the Patriots ever be as good as they were, Fred? Wow. No. No. And, and, but that's not saying that they won't be good again. But to, see, to do what they did again, I, think, I don't think it's possible. Crushing you know, a young man's it, To dream. be for 20 years to, to go to 10 Super Bowls, you know, or nine, whatever it was. That's, that's unbelievable. Like, that's just averaging a Super Bowl every other year. That has never been done before in a 20-year span. And it's just... You know, I, I, I can't see it being repeated, you know, by the same team. So, no, they won't be ever as good as they were. But they still can get yeah. back up there and be as good as some of the best teams today. You know, and that's where, I, you know, my final, final thought on Bill Belichick is keeping that team together for 20 years through the success is one of his biggest accomplishments. Because you say, well, you know, it's easy when you're winning. No, it isn't. Because when you start winning, guys want more. People start feeling entitled. Coaches start leaving, as we've seen. So to be able to keep that team together and consistently winning over 20 years, I think might be as big an accomplishment, you know, doing that as it is actually coaching on the field. So, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate to say, but it's just I think we all realize now you have a little bit of a different perspective on the sustained success and right. how hard it is to, you know, just consistently compete at a high level and to get to the AFC championship like every year. I mean, you know, even with just some of the crappy teams that they faced on their way to some of those later AFC championships, it's like, you know, what, what you wouldn't give right now to just be one of those crappy teams that gets beat on the way to the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah, I have no doubt that he can get back to the Super Bowl and, and have that, but, you know, winning six and 20 three years four, or whatever it was. Five. Yeah, I, I'm with Fred. That, that's probably probably asking too much yeah i mean Bayern munich can do it because they buy all the players from the other team so. but the patriots do it way to land that plane fred <laughs> right all right well listen hold on what, what 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 we have one more thing to do oh what is that so we do picks every oh every, right every week we do picks usually on thursdays but we're going to do a show again tomorrow night so we will pick the thursday night game which i think starts at like 2 30 a.m. Yeah. 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 Gotta hurry. Like Gotta that. hurry. Yeah, and it's a real humdinger. <laughs> Gotta hurry. One of the, one of the game, this is not necessarily indicative of American football, but tonight it's Carolina at Chicago. And what's the point? And the spread? Bears are favored by three. 
Carolina at Chicago. Bears are favored by three. Someone recording this, All right. Alex? All right. Oh, by the way, our pick's leader it's is Alex. sitting, oh, yeah, come, sitting come over Alex. here. Alex, proud. she's, she's very winning. proud. <laughs> she, she's beating everybody by, I think, six games. <laughs> so she's also the only one who takes it with any degree of seriousness. So Alex would never come down for the show. Then she started winning the picks contest, and then she started showing up, right? <laughs> oh, okay, all right. She's going to take the oh, mic. Oh, they had to twist her arm and get her to come on. I don't know. The leader. You can just talk into it. <laughs> just hold it here. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Say hello, Alex. Me okay? Yeah. All right. Why don't you start us off since you're uh, Okay, so Chicago was favored by three. She's thinking about In it. In Chicago. That's what she does. She ponders it. So she we normally pick the winner and the winner by the spread. When's the last time Carolina won a game? Two weeks ago. Mm. They beat Houston and the, the great C.J. Stroud. Okay. I'll take the Bears. And I'll give them the points. Okay. Cool. All right. The leader has spoken. And Paul has to mark them down because he keeps the book. That's why I usually win. Right. I, I'm going to put me down for the Bears too, Paul. I don't know. Two bad teams. But. All right. All right. <laughs> Ugly game. Paul? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to take Chicago as well, but um, this is really bad football. <laughs> um, t- it's a tight. Ty- what's the guy's name? Tyson Bajent? Bajent. Yeah. I've yeah. taken Tyson Bajant, and I'm not really feeling great about that. That's yeah. why I'm chasing. His dad's an arm wrestler. So I will take the Bears, and I will lay the points. Yeah, I'm, I want to take the Panthers, but I can't. So I will take the Bears to win, but I'll take those three points, and I'll hedge my bet. So, Fred, Fred is Hold on, Evan from the, from the peanut gallery, who do you got? Uh, I'm the only one taking the Panthers. All right, okay. That's why Evan, Evan's in last Evan's place. Evan's in last place for the Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> Evans. Okay. So those at home, Evan's pitching a uh, Bryce Young coming out party. There we all go. All right. Well, listen, want to thank everyone for listening all over the world. Um, we'll be back tomorrow at noontime Eastern, 6 o'clock local Frankfurt time. We're going to be at Gibson Club. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a different show because there's going to be stage things and we're going to be throwing it to guests and everything. So tomorrow's more like a variety show, if you will. Uh, but we'll be at Gibson tomorrow at 6 o'clock uh, for those people in Frankfurt. Noontime, our regular time, but it's a Friday show, so we'll, we'll see everyone tomorrow. Thank you for being here. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts. The world's original podcast.